Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Right, so I think we're all back. Um, shall we put, if you want to put in the chat, um, and anyone who wants to share, um, which films? Uh, um, <laughs> I, 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 you want me to share on the chat? Yeah. Uh, you, no, you can, you can uh, say, but not everyone's going right. to want to talk, so... My ones, um, I really recommend um, one I just watched earlier. It's called The Lighthouse. It's a new movie, psychological thriller. The Lighthouse. I highly recommend it. Um, I recommend to call it The Wild and maybe Battle Royale. That's the Japanese movie. Okay. Wasn't there a James Bond one of that title? Senior Royale. Uh, no, it's, the Battle Royale is a Japanese movie. It's like the Hunger Games. It's like the original version of the Hunger Games. They reckon the Hunger Games copied it. Oh, was it an anime or? No, no, it's uh, not anime. It's action just film. Action, action film, yeah. Okay. So what was it about those films that you... Um, well, I'll just talk mainly about the one I just saw today, which was called um, The Lighthouse. It was a very like unique film. There's only two characters in it, and it's a psychological thriller, and like it's just very very entertaining. Like you're always, you never get bored of it. Like and it's like you and um, it just shows like the man. Uh, the camera work is really good. It's black and white to look like an old movie, and the storyline is just very very good. It's like. I recommend looking looking it up anyway and see if you might it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's the type of movie that I like. Can I say what film I liked? I liked Ex Machina that came out a few years ago. Okay. What's what's that? It's like a psychological thriller as well, with the real question being a philosophical question, which is what does it mean to be human? Okay. So is this like uh, machines versus humans type thing? Sort of, but not really. But they make a, an AI, artificial intelligence, and they're trying to make it as human as possible. And I, so I was saying that the deeper question is not what does it take to make an AI human, but what is it that makes us quintessentially human? So in order to make an AI that successfully passes the Turing test and is taken for human, you have to be able to find out what obviously constitutes fundamentally a human. So the real question is not about the AI, but it's about our humanity and what is it that makes us human? Interesting. It's, it's interesting to, um, when you look at um, uh, some of the technology that's coming around, it's where we're going to sort of merge with, with humans, where they like intelligence is never going to be a um, competitive advantage in the future because machines are going to be there and, and implanted in us um so yeah that's that's a, an interesting question for that we all have to face it started already don't be scared yeah <laughs> think of your cochlear implants and your blood your your joints and your pacemaker and your insulin pump and all of that 
started. It's just that those things you think of them as, um, you don't think of them as things that can be hooked up to become a, a network of its own as you go along. So the more things are replaced and the more that they are program programmable, then you get, you're getting closer and closer to that um, cyborg state. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we've got seven as well. Wasn't, was seven like a horror or a thriller? Thriller, psychological thriller, but a yeah. serial killer. I don't yeah, want to give too it. much away in case somebody wants to actually yeah. watch it, but yeah, it was good. We could just Quite ruin everyone. Gruesome, everyone's... though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think yeah. I've seen that, but what? we could ruin everyone's um, Netflix list here tonight. Um, okay. Watch it at night when, when the lights are off. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so we're... I don't really know the main characters of this, but so we're we tonight we're going to talk about the hero's journey and and how that relates to uh, relationships. And um, the reason why I asked about films is because the hero's journey is is a concept that um, Joseph Campbell um, popularised, and he he actually got the the monomyth uh, first came from James Joyce. Um, but Joseph Campbell was this genius who um, sort of lived life on his own, <laughs> lived life on his, in, his own, um, in his own sort of way. He wanted to do a PhD in literature um, and he'd, he'd arranged this PhD and he went traveling and he really he found out all it was about, he was going to do American native mythology and he um, he went traveling and he, he found all this Arthurian Celtic mythology and he said, like, it's expanded, I, don't, I want to do this. And they wouldn't, um, they said, no, no, you've agreed this, this is, we're not going to do it. And he just said, sod it then. And it was at the beginning of the depression in the 1930s. So he just went to this, to, he had this hut in the middle of the forest. And for five years, he just lived out in his hut really simply, just reading all day. Um, and so basically, he went into to this um, solitude, just reading all kinds of mythology, all kinds of books. And he emerged five years later and, and he wrote this, um, he wrote this book, the, the, Hero, <clears throat> the Hero with a Thousand Faces. And essentially the premise of, the, of that is that there is a universal structure to all stories um, and every great, mythology and every great story from uh, Rocky, from um, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, um, to Jesus Buddha, the Iliad, Odyssey, all follow the same structure. And when you look at this, the structure that he's got, it's a brilliant um, recognition of the structure that we go through. Um, whenever there's any kind of, in order to, like, in order to have the career that we want, in order to have a business that we want, to have a relationship that we want, to, to do anything that we want of significance, we have to become better than we are. We have to develop skills, knowledge, confidence that we didn't have. And 
the hero's journey is basically the story of that. It's the story of there's three phases to it. There's the comfortable, ordinary world. There's the separation where you go to a new world. And then there's the return. And the journey, like when you think of a quest, the quest is like the Holy Grail where you go for this object. But what all of those, the stories is about is while you're going for that quest for that thing, you're changing. And it's it's really about the inner change and not the the outer change, the, like the outer reward. So let's look at uh, the question. So we need um, a few. I don't. I remember the holiday in the buses, but I don't know the characters well enough to, to look at their hero's journey. Um, the others. The others was a great film. Um, so I want to look, look at the archetype now. Probably the the closest archetype to this is Star Wars. Um, and George Lucas had Star Wars for years, and he couldn't write it. And it was only when he came upon um, the hero's journey structure that he just literally followed it out like that. Um, so there's lots of, like, the Matrix is based on it. Um, um, Watership Down, um, Lion King, all of these kind of films are based on it. So the first step is you have to show the contrast. You have to so show someone first in their ordinary world. And so for Luke Skywalker, this is where he's bored on the farm and he wants something more. Um, so it's a safe, stable world, but there's, there's, there's wanting something more. And this is where a lot of people are at in terms of relationship. They're probably comfortable, you know, they might be happy on their own. Um, but they just feel that they want something, something more. And they feel that there's something more out there for them. So the next stage is something happens, what, they, what um, scriptwriters call an inciting incident. There's something that happens that spurs them, like opens this whole new world. And so it could be you come across someone really attractive, um, someone asks you out. It could, and for Luke Skywalker, it was Princess Leia um the the message from princess leah for um neo in the matrix it was when he got this message that um follow these watch out for the white rabbit or something like that um so it's the call to adventure but what almost always happens is is scary and so there's the refusal of the call so most of the time the hero will refuse and Luke, Luke Skywalker refuses the call because um, his uncle needs him. Um, Harry Potter doesn't believe that he, you know, that he has anything magical about him. Um, like the, the epitome of the refusal of the call is the Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit. And he says like, oh, I wouldn't want an adventure, nasty, dirty, dangerous things that make you late for dinner. Um, so this is, Sometimes people are wanting to go on a dating site. Sometimes people have been asked out, but they feel uncomfortable in the situation or they're scared of, of what that involves. So I think we all refuse the call as well. But the, the, key, to the, <clears throat> the key to the refusal of the call is that life is never going to be better. It's, it's like life is going to always become boring, constricting until 
you accept that call. And so that's what films show. So that's the first section. That's like the ordinary world. So I think we can see it in films, but if we relate that to your own circumstances, your own situations, things that have happened in the past, when have you been in the ordinary world? What's been the call to adventure? And how have you refused it and why have you refused it? So I think that would be an interesting point for uh, a chat in the, in the breakout rooms. So if we go to the breakout rooms for, uh, we'll just have a short chat. Do you think eight minutes be enough? Okay, so if I set the um, breakout rooms um, and we'll be back in about eight minutes. Again, when you get the link, um, you don't have to rush straight back because you'll still have another minute. So is that clear what, what we're talking about? Just give us it again, please, Rob. Okay, so um, the three stages are uh, the ordinary world, where you are in the ordinary world, ordinary world, the call to adventure, like the inciting incident, what has called you to, um, what have you been dissatisfied with in your, in your current state that you would like a relationship? What is the call to adventure? What's the incident that made you think like this whole new world could open up to me? And what and how have you refused it? So, okay, did, um, so I think this is, although this is um, like a, a script writing, it's been used as a script writing tool and it's a way of interpreting um, books and films. I think we, we have our own narrative um, and we live by narrative. And the difference between really struggling and really um, feeling empowered and, and growing for an experience is the narrative that we, we give to it. So I think by um, being able to apply these narratives, we um, we can change our experience of what happens. So, did anyone have any insights or any stories or experiences that they can relate to that they would like to share? I think Sasha's got some amazing stories, but she's just kind of unable to tell us at the moment. She's going to have a busy night typing. <laughs> I think she is. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a discussion going on in, in our group about um, kind of life being kind of that intricate, intricate that it's it's difficult to say what's well I, I it was me who brought it up about it's hard to say what's technically good or bad because of the uh, intricacies of life um and because of that there was regret that doesn't really i don't really have much regrets obviously i'd rather have not done certain things or behaved in certain ways but you kind of are where you are because of what you've done i suppose mm -hmm. and that's, I think Morpheus kind of says something similar in, in the Matrix about it, things happen just because they do or something like that. I can't remember the exact phrase, um, which kind of fits into to what we were talking about. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I remember there's a um, story, I, I used it in my book, and it's um, maybe, it's a, like a Chinese proverb. And that's it, yeah. You, you know it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so one day, uh, um, like in, in ancient China, this horse comes in, and this man gets a, um, a horse, which is like a horse is worth like a house now. And everyone said, oh, how lucky you are. You're so lucky. Um, and he said, maybe. Um, and his son's breaking in the horse. And um, the horse throws him off and uh, breaks his leg. Um, and everyone says, oh, what terrible luck. Your, your son, how are you going to bring in all the, the crops? And um, how are you going to farm um, everything this year? And, and he said, they said like, what, you know, what terrible luck. And he says, maybe. And then a couple of months later, the army come around and conscripting all the fit young men. And um, he can't go. Um, and he's like one of the only ones saved from like a bloody war. Um, and it's just like um, Alan was saying that what we think is luck, sometimes you can never tell if it is or it isn't. It takes a longer um, time span. Um, in terms of the refusal of the call and the call to adventure, like, does that um, bring any insights on where you may, like, where your fears might hold you back, or um, where your feeling of obligation to your current state is? Like, for example, um, as I'm saying now, what comes into my head is is the research that, on average, it takes. Um, a couple, six years from when they decide they're going to leave like a marriage to when they actually leave it. Um, and that's, um, there's so many obligations and fears and um, restrictions. So does that make sense to you, the, the refusal of the call? It makes sense. And um, we were discussing uh, along similar lines because... Um, it's one thing to recognize that you need to change, but then as you mentioned, obligations, sense of duty, that can hold you back. But even after you have resolved that or those issues, there is still yourself. How do you proceed? One, it's, a, it's the landscape has changed. So there are fears as to how you're going to cope. What, um, how can you navigate this new place? How are you going to be comfortable in it? Are you confident, et cetera? So there, there is one, your, yourself within a relationship or within a system because um, every marriage or relationship has not just the two people, but family members, business, all of those things um, intertwined and you have to unravel those to get yourself um, and not feel guilty about that process. And as you say, it takes about six years because you have to figure out how you're going to get yourself out with, I suppose, the least amount of bruising to yourself and to others, because there's also um, the, the fear that what you do can have serious impact on the others or the significant other in the relationship and how you're going to cope as well. And those things can hold you back. But once you're out of that, there is, as you say, making that step to enter into a new phase of life. The confidence to do that 
in a landscape that you probably don't recognize. <laughs> and to figure out how to maneuver, to develop that confidence, to then um, try to engage with people who, again, it's going to be the same thing. Am I going to have to go through the same set of experiences that I had? How many, as I, as I called it, how many princes am I going to have? How many frogs am I going to kiss before I find my prince? Am I going to go through all of that? That is just time consuming. It's energy sapping. It's, ah, oh, can't I just find the one right now when we just start, you know, and we go through this thing. So, it, I, I think it's, it, it is, it's effort, it's fear of the unknown, and it's having to go. But I think a positive note is that we've gained some experiences that we can draw on, even though that relationship that we are leaving or that situation that we're leaving, we have failed. There are lessons that we have learned that we can bring to bear. Yeah. Um, and... That's interesting because that kind of leads us to the next stage. So, so, so really, there's all these external reasons, like you've said, and, and really it's about us getting to grips with all of those and the internal fears and being ready. Um, and like the details of actually doing it are just the sort of administration, but it's, it's becoming, it's the facing the fears. And so this is the, the next stage. So that's, that's like the cutoff from the ordinary world. So now once you've gone past the refusal of the call, the next stage is the stage that takes you into the new world is, is the, meeting of the, men, the meeting with the mentor. So this is the idea that you have um, a plan, you have something, you see some way that you can do this. And initially it may be that you don't have belief in yourself, but you have belief in something else. So for uh, Luke Skywalker is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and knowing the world of the Jedi's and having uh, having belief in the, in the Jedi's, for um, um, Neo it was Morpheus and you know all that. Um, uh, yeah, Morpheus and Trinity that they they had a plan and they had something going on. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Um, films for for rocky it was it was finding his trainer mickey um who's taking him on um so the stage of the mentor is finding some knowledge finding someone or some training that you can believe in until you can believe in yourself so once you have that that sort of pushes you over the edge and gives you the confidence to to take this new journey and so the next part is crossing the threshold and crossing the threshold is the stage of leaving the comfort of your own world and finding this strange new world so in star wars this is when he um, goes into that bar and it's full of all these strange aliens and it's like this completely different world for um for mate uh, for neo in the matrix it's um going into the joining the crew of the uh never never or, or whatever it is um and so it's it's finding this whole new world that you're in and just finding your place now 
So in, in terms of relationships, this crossing the threshold could be like date, uh, joining a dating um, site. It could be um, when you you've leave your relationship um, and um, you, you suddenly got this new world open up. Um, yeah, I, I think ultimately is. I think the, the refusal of, the, um, Alan says, can it be dangerous at that stage? Um, yes, it is, because ultimately what, what the refusal of the, this call tells you is that life is always going to be shrinking. And I think there's the comfort zone. And if you don't branch past that comfort zone, because everything you want is in what I call the adventure zone, but the adventure zone is scary. And if you don't take, if you don't make that leap, your life is always going to be um, less than it could. It's going to bore you. And what's and what anxiety, what happens is the, um, the less you face anxiety, the more it encircles you and shrinks. And so there's the, the more and more um, scares you. So the less needs to happen for you to feel anxious. Um, so, okay, so crossing the threshold. Now, once you cross the threshold, you, you're in this strange new world. And once you're in a strange new world, you think, you find, yeah, um, as Sasha says, each individual needs to do things at a pace for them. Um, that's really what, what determines how long it takes you to go from the refusal of the call. Um, and it's really about getting the confidence together um, and feeling ready to take that leap. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be different for everyone. So all of this is unique. The, the, there's a universal structure, but the, I mean, we can see how many films it's in. Um, I remember years ago, I used to subscribe to an emails and it was like 501 different heroes journeys and they broken 501 films down um, into the hero's journey structure. So once you're in the new world, it's about tests, allies and enemies. So a new world has different challenges for you. It's, it's tests that you're not comfortable with. Um, and then it's sorting out who are your allies and who are your enemies. So in Star Wars, you've got the rebels, you've got Han Solo, Princess Leia, Chewbacca and all them. And then you've got the stormtroopers, you've got Darth Vader. In Harry Potter, you've got the Slytherins and the Gryffindor, is it? Um, so it's like you've got uh, allies and enemies. So on a dating site, you're going to have um, people that you may not be attracted to, you may not get on, but you, you're probably going to end up just chatting to a few people as, as kind of friends. Um, you're going to have people who are rude, people who are aggressive, um, and you're going to have tests. You're going to have rejection. You're going to have to deal with people who are um, rude. Um, and you're going to have to, it's like, how do you get someone's attention? How do you um, deal with people who are, um, persistent but you're uninterested um, so all of these are tests so the next stage is the approach to the innermost cage innermost cave um, and so this is like you get into the belly of the well which is the, the real big ordeal and 
this is when you're just getting there and this is when your anxiety is going to be the most it's when you're most fear because you've got all this is built up so like the stakes are so high like this is the reward you're close you've just got to like face this big ordeal slay the dragon or whatever it is and um then you've got the reward that you've you you've come on this quest for but between you and that is this dragon is this monster is this whatever it is and so this is really about dealing with your fear um and so when we put that to relationships it could be that you're in a relationship so this this format also works in in terms of slaying the dragon is like the approach the the this is the stage where in order to slay the dragon you've got to deal with the really difficult conversations but we don't want to have those difficult conversations because it makes us anxious it's, it's scary we have to be vulnerable um in dating it's this is the the bit like maybe for some people it's going to be going out on the first date for some people it's going to be um okay i've got to i can i'm quite comfortable with two or three month relationships but um what happens if it gets past there it gets real um it could be a year or two year like um whatever the whatever the stage i, I look at relationships and it's kind of like it's like a, a hose pipe and there's anywhere in there you can have leaks and there's going to be i think we touched on this last week there's wherever you are there's always going to be a problem and if the problem was i think it was if richard was talking about um his problem was not getting uh attention and conversations it was um people being attracted that he w wasn't into and so wherever it is whether it's attracting attention or whether it's um dealing with unwanted attention what you're doing is you're just moving the problem along and so when you um it's a process of fixing up all those leaks um so so this wherever um you're feeling the most fear is the the big ordeal the thing that you have to face okay so then you come to the big ordeal and this is the critical thing that's going to lead you to get the, the thing that you're seeking whether it's um dealing sorting out a relationship so that you you can you you save the relationship and, and um reinforce the relationship or whether it's getting into a relationship or whether it's committing um to a relationship whatever it is this is the the big challenge so so the big ordeal like in star wars it's it's they get sucked in and maybe it, i think it's when he faces darth vader or for harry potter it would be facing voldemort or whichever person is representing him um for rocky this is the um being in the ring and being battered by apollo creed and getting up and knowing that he can just keep getting up and staying staying with it so this is the big test and this is the test that at the beginning the hero didn't think he was um capable of um 
and so it's it's recognized so the wizard of oz is brilliant for this in the sense of everyone on that journey thinks that they don't have what they need the tin man thinks he's got no heart the straw man thinks he's got no brain the, uh, or, or i can't remember all the details the lion thinks he's got no courage all of those things and the journey is showing them it's giving them the challenges that show them that they have everything that they needed Okay, so I think this is a good point. So this is like, like the midpoint and a good point to um, talk about how does this relate to your individual narratives? Um, so we're all going through our life and we're all making sense of it with some kind of narrative. And all of us are going through these stages. We might not consciously recognize it, but if we use this structure, we can see that when we feel fear, it's not unusual. This is just part of the journey. When we feel doubt, when we feel that we're not good enough, when we feel that we're never going to get there, it's not unusual. It's not us. This, this is just the stages of the journey. So I'm not sure if it would be better for, so let me know, would it be better to discuss this in small breakout groups? Or would it be better to have a couple of moments to think individually for ourselves? Just, just think. I think it would be nice to talk about it with everybody. I don't know how the others. Okay. Any other votes? I'd like to discuss it with the small group. Okay. All right. So we're going to the breakout room. But if anyone does want, would rather. Uh, just think about it themselves, then just ignore the um, ignore the invitation. So is everyone clear or does anyone want to recap on any of that? Can you recap, please? Yeah. OK, so basically the last stage was was the fear. Um, and what we've done is we've left our comfortable world. We've got some confidence from somewhere that we can do this. We've then entered this strange new world we're sort of acquainting ourselves with what's going on what go, what's where how does this world work and now we're reaching the, the moment of the our biggest fear and then we're we're facing this challenge that we never believed that we could do so does that make sense does anyone, everyone clear on that okay so um, I'm going to open up the breakout rooms. Uh, we'll go for um, 10 minutes. Victor, uh, oh, no, sorry. You can just, um, you can just go on to, um, onto YouTube. And if you just look up uh, victim thinking, um, okay. it, 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 there's like quite a few different things on it. But basically the victim, uh, when, you put, when you're in a victim mode, the victim mode, is somebody who's had some something happen to them, which is a negative experience, and the negative yeah. experience will more often or not change the identity of that person, because they've had mm -hmm. the identity changed. Then mm -hmm. that'll begin. To, that'll cause trauma, and the victim will then look towards somebody else for that for that trauma to be healed. But oh, the problem yeah. with that is, is that you're giving your power away. And a good example is that is a relationship going wrong 
and then you look, you're in pain because of that relationship, and then you'll need to find another relationship, just like the victim to oh, yeah. hear you say. You're not, you're not happy being on your own, basically, and you want the other person. You only feel happy if you're with a, in a relationship, even if you don't like the person. Yeah. Mm. But there's many different layers to it, so it's definitely worth having a good look. Yeah, thanks. I'll have a look on YouTube. Okay. Um, um, so did, did anyone have anything that they're willing to share um, or insights, whether personal or whether you've, like things that you've observed from other people? I don't, I don't mind sharing mine, if you, okay. if you want. Um, I was talking yeah. about my weight loss journey, so I'm still not finished it, but I've lost um, five stone, five pounds, not that I'm counting, wow. uh, in 17 months. Uh, so that was a pretty big big challenge big change that's massive um yeah thank you. and uh we were talking about it actually it's really interesting because ben was asking like what was the fear in, in the initially and thank you and um i hadn't thought about that um so i originally started because i was diagnosed with well I, they found they told me i was heading towards diabetes and i have children and uh and it just wasn't even an option for me to just continue down that path and it was just the big push i needed to lose weight really and um I had to try a few different ways of eating until it worked for me and Ben was like really good he was like what was the fear about it and I was like oh yeah it was really interesting but I think I was saying since then I've done so much research into food and and you know how we how we use it and how it is obviously it's called comfort food because it's comfortable and and but it's such a big part of our lives and a lot of people take it very lightly when we should be taking it a lot more seriously. I could preach about it, I won't. But <laughs> uh, for me, that, that's that been a whole journey and really looked at the way I look at my relationship with food. And um, I'm just so different than I was, um, not just in terms of my body, which is, you know, amazing now, but just it's helped my mental health. It's helped just helped me all around. I've come off my antidepressants, um, which I was tr struggling to come off of for like eight years. And yeah, so it's been, I, it's weird because I don't even see it now as a challenge. I, I have to remember what it was like back then because now it's just the way I do things, which is great because that's like the journey, isn't it? So I don't know, but I'm really proud of myself. So it's why I don't mind talking about it. <laughs> you should be, I think we'll all give you a clap. Oh, no, you embarrass me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Well done. Thank you. So, yeah, and I do share about it all the time because I think, you know, you never know who you're going to help when you tell people your story. So Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, really, there's universality to all stories. So in that instance, you know, from just from reading into what you've said, you were someone who were, was in this like comfortable world and probably yeah. never thought that you were capable of, of doing that and then facing all the challenges and all the fears um, and now you've grown into a different person not just because of you know the, the all of the weight loss but because of knowing that you can do that yeah I, and I think nothing really seems as challenging anymore that sounds really cliche Hmm. But it really, it's like when you look at, because I can physically see it, 
and you know and because of lockdown people haven't really seen me so I go out and I bump into people I know and on the school runs and stuff and they were like and over lockdown when everybody's been putting on weight and I don't mean this in a bad way I've lost like a stone and a half this year just the most of it was last last year and so people are I think I just if it just inspires one person to go actually you know I probably could be eating a little bit differently or something like that um then it's great but yeah I don't it's weird it's Michelle good, can I, I ask you a like, question yeah um you know um like, congratulations on the um Thank on the weight you. loss um have you got any pictures around the house of yourself uh, prior to when you put on the weight so when you were um, uh, yeah we have yeah I've got photos everywhere and um and I'm, I'm I'm always the one behind the camera but we went on we went on a trip to Euro Disney last year just as I started my um my journey after I started after I came back because I'm not that silly and um <laughs> and so there are photos everywhere of me looking much bigger at Euro Disney and we have those everywhere and they keep coming up on my feed and um yeah I, I I do I don't like them it's like it's a different person. Any, any of you when you were slim when I when what well, before I got big yeah. mm, no do you know what I don't I don't think there are any of me of before I was because I think it's so funny isn't it because you put weight on so slowly you don't realize so I haven't really got any of before I got that big in the first place my wedding photos I'm long divorced but my wedding photos I looked really nice that was the slimmest I've been for a long time and I don't mind looking at my wedding photos because I looked really nice at my weddings <laughs> but yeah I've got those and then you can see the difference and then I'm going back to that now so did you um you know when you started on, on your journey of weight loss did you have a mental image of you being slim I did and the image, so I lost, I used to be a Slimming World consultant. And when I lost weight for my wedding, I still never even at that point got down to the image in my head of what I wanted to be. And this time I am going to get there. Um, yeah, I've got a very specific image um, of what I want to be. And I started working out, started yoga, started running. Running, I run. Who? Oh my gosh, I'm one of those really annoying women or one of those people that goes out in the cold and the dark winter days in a t-shirt running with their dog. I kind of like don't like when I do that, but <laughs> I used to hate those people. But now I'm one of those people. But yeah, I do. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to um, confirm my theory, which is basically people who are successful often have the image of success in their head before the actual confirmation of success happens. Oh, no, absolutely. And it's been there since I joined Slimming World back in 2008, and I still haven't got there yet. I've never been there, so but this time I'm, I'm getting there. Absolutely. And I, I'm, nothing's going to sway me. Do I sound quite motivated and determined? <laughs> You'll have to come back when you get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, did, does anyone else, uh, does it bring to mind any, any other circumstances, observations, situations that anyone else would like to share? I think I'm resolved to 
Well, this has this has been with me for a while, for quite a quite a while. But nonetheless, I think it's more embedded in me now that I will not apologize for who I am, um, for what I have achieved, and if you can't cope with it, you can go. Um, not for me to. Uh, hide myself or hide who I am or what I am to appease anybody. And if you're uncomfortable, then it's best we just don't go anywhere. Let's put it that way. Because for me to um, subsume what I am or who I am, to please somebody would do myself, would be doing my, me myself a disservice. And um, I've really never done it, but I've kind of done it, if you know what I mean. You sort of, subconsciously, you kind of play that game and you, um, you, you don't say some of the things um, and you play down your achievements, what you have done or, you know, or if you're good at something, you don't let the other, anybody know. And you, especially if your partner might feel that they, they haven't reached there or they can't do this particular thing, uh, you know, that sort of stuff, you, you, you don't talk about it or you pretend that you don't even know what it is and so forth and all of those kinds of things. And I am not going to do that even more. So my resolve is, <laughs> yeah. And you either like me or you don't. <laughs> and if you don't like me, you're missing a hell of a lot. That's how I am. That's what I say. You don't know what you're missing and <laughs> you're lost, not mine. And that's it. Sounds a good resolution. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was wondering if anyone, I don't know, Rob, if this is probably more relating to the point of fear, um, but if anyone's thought about, you know, the nature of the law of resistance, which comes up during the hero's journey. I, I can't remember what stage it is. I don't know if they even call it the law of resistance, um, but it's like when you sort of make a decision um, to start changing things, uh, it's like you'll just be faced with like roadblock after roadblock, challenge after challenge after challenge. And then um, it's just expected as like a given, sort of like fear is a part of it, I suppose, but the law of resistance, you have to expect resistance when you're changing. Yeah, yeah, so so that the, the biggest, I mean, you get the tests, the allies and the enemies. So that's the stage where you start getting tests. And then the stage after that is the approach to the innermost case just before you have the big ordeal. And that's really a stage of facing your fears. It's about the anxiety of before it, when you want to turn back and you want to run and you don't think that you're good enough, you don't think you're capable of doing it. Um, and yeah, so that's, yeah, that's that stage. It's, it's really, there's two real points, the refusal of the call and then the approach of the innermost case, which are really about getting up the courage to just do it um, and not feeling good enough um, and then going through that ordeal and then finding that you can't, you're more than you thought you could. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, so yes, yeah, so it's really, yeah, as Alan says, it's really about doubt. It's about 
fear, doubt yourself, not thinking you can, you're up to it. Um, and um, I think Neo in the Matrix is is the real point. Is is like the turning point where um, he goes back to save Morpheus, and he doesn't think he's he's going to get out alive, and then suddenly these bullets come, and he just reacts, and it's how he grows into the moment. Um, and becomes, and, it, and it's where he starts getting a belief that he is the one, and then like that changes everything. So, so once we've gone through the ordeal, um, and and really that is the point with Morpheus, that uh, not Morpheus, Neo, um, where he's he's got all those, um, like he's grown, and he suddenly realised he's been shot at, and he's just bending, and he's, he doesn't know how he's doing it, but he just realises. This is it, and it's kind of this, and he realizes you just kind of play with Agent Jones or Smith or whatever it is, and he realizes like I am the one, I can do this, um, and so this is the stage of being reborn, and so you went into the this special world with an identity that you weren't good enough, and once you've gone through and you faced your biggest fear and you've come through. And so I think Michelle, that you, you can uh, attest to this. And, and this is probably what you, you, you said that you felt like you could, you felt more confidence and you felt you could face other challenges because you faced that and you realized that how much hidden depths that you have. I'm not sure if anyone's here has ever heard of David Goggins. Uh, Alicia, anyone else? Okay, Maybe, so, yeah, I've heard from him. I'm, I've got his audio book on when I run. Yeah, his audio really, is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I've heard, heard of him. I really like him, actually. Yeah, he's great. He's really yeah. scary on my runnings. I'm like, yeah. I can't fail David because he just shouts and swears at me. <laughs> he's like, so, um, I like him. Like the way he he has a very good mentality, like just to, you know, overcome any obstacle like even if it's difficult just push through it yeah yeah i like i like his philosophy because i'm quite strong-willed and quite a strong character so all the wishy-washy airy fairy Mm. coaching stuff doesn't work with me a lot of the time Mm. i like a more aggressive approach and i I mentioned it to one of my friends and he was like that would just terrify me and scare me and i would hate it and i was like no i love it Mm-hmm. It's just weird how it's different works for different people. Yeah. Plus he's gorgeous. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard that. I've recommended him to people. Oh, he's <laughs> so beautiful. Um, so, so, so basically, just to recap, I'm just going to mute everyone, but unmute yourself if you have something to share because it's background noise. Um, so, uh, oh, um, so basically, uh, just to just to um, the point of. Uh, Okay, so um, the point of uh, David Goggins is that David Goggins, in in a nutshell, was um, he was like three hundred pounds. He'd he'd grown up he'd grown up in this horrifically abusive household. Um, He then they'd escaped from his his dad um, and moved to. Uh, wherever he went to school, which was like the next town of the KKK, he's, he's black, uh, next town of the KKK um, headquarters. And he was just um, had horrific abuse, like he had his car spray painted. And when he went to the head teacher, um, he, there were, it was like 
he said, I, I realised then no one was going to save me. His, his like mum had been lost from the abuse that she wasn't really there for him. Um, he went to the head teacher and all he could say was, well, they can't even spell. Um, and he said he realised that he had no, there was no one, no one's coming for him. Um, he had to do it. And so anyway, his life wasn't going so well. He was um, uh, in the early 20s. He was 300 pounds. He was in a, a dead end job. He was just coming home, um, stuffing himself. And he saw something on TV and he, he, he'd been in the army but left. And he saw these people, um, like the servicemen's children who couldn't afford college. And he decided he was going to run. And he wasn't just going to run, but he was going to run a hundred, hundred of mile ultramarathon. Um, so he rang up and he rang around these places. Oh, um, uh, anyway, he rang around these places and, and they laughed at him and they said, like, you're not going to get in. And then one of them said, OK, this is what you have to do. You have to do um, an ultramarathon before um, you go to this um, in the next week. So he was 300 pounds. He hadn't run in months. Um, and he had to run 100, 100 miles in, I think it was a month or something. Um, and anyway, just from sheer determination, and as he says, it's, it's basically he felt he was the weakest man on earth, and he felt he had to be the strongest. And so he was already in so much pain psychologically that he was just willing to go through anything. And he went through extremes that he was running on broken um, shins. Um, he got to the point of about 76 miles in. Um, he stopped and sat down and he couldn't physically get up. Um, he soiled himself because he couldn't get to the toilet. Um, and yet he still carried on. Um, and, it's, and everyone sort of talks about his physical accomplishments, but it, as he says, it, it was never really about that. It was what he was doing was strength, putting himself through so much to strengthen himself so that he could cope with whatever happened. Um, and he talks about his, he, he was, um, he wasn't close with his brother, but his brother's son was killed suddenly. And um, dealing with that um, was easier because he'd been through so much and he knew that if he could face the challenge physically, he could chase it. He could face it um, mentally. So the point of that is, is that he's an extreme case and, and I don't think almost anyone's going to go to those lengths. And you don't need to go to those lengths. And, and he even says that, but it's about knowing um, that, when you face your fears is when you find who you can be. And it's only then that you know what you have. Like he, he says, basically, 25% um, is about the limit of what we think we can do. And when we go beyond that, there's so much more. Um, and it's just accessing that. And it's not about going past that because it's um, like, glory in it or, or because you're pushing yourself to a point of damage but it's about the takeaway for us is that there's always more there's always um more that you can do past your fears 
and I think the the other the corollary to this is the Wizard of Oz, that we all have it in us, but all of us think that we're missing something, and our narrative is that we're missing this thing, that if only we had this, we would be different, and yet the the like the Wizard of Oz story is that we all have it in us. So once you've been through the ordeal, the this is when you've got the prize. So you've slayed the dragon, you've got the Holy Grail or whatever it is you came for. And this is it, you've won the prize. And everyone thinks you've got the prize, this is it, that's it, it's, it, it's over. Or, you know, so in Star Wars, they, they knock down the um, Empire's ship or whatever. Um, in the Matrix, they defeat the uh, Agent Smith. Um, but what happens is there's a chase back. So the dragon chases you to get back what he's, he's lost. The Empire chased them back. And so we think we face this fear and this is, this is it. We've, we've done it. But there's still, there's still more challenges. And what these challenges really are about, Professor uh, Campbell talks about these challenges are really about testing. Have you really learned the lessons? So we get the mini tests in the tests and the allies. We get the ordeal where we realize that we're more. And now it's about, have you really learned the lesson? Like, was that a one-off or can you, you know, have you grown so that you are that person that can face these challenges? So in the same way, in relationships, you're going to meet that challenge. You're going to grow and think everything's fine. And there's still going to be other challenges. And it's knowing that, see you, Callum. And it's knowing that you, um, those challenges, you, in growing to the challenges, you've become someone who's capable of dealing with those challenges. So it's like you've grown to another level. So then there's the chase back. So this is the final challenges. This is like leaving the special world and it's, it's fleeing. And... Now, maybe this is in a relationship. Maybe this is you've got into a relationship and now it's you're coming back the same way that you can, but you're, you're coming back as part of a couple, which is a change of identity. Or maybe it's that you've left that relationship and now you're coming back on your own. And so that's a change of identity. And so it's really about how has the ordeal changed you? So uh, Michelle um, was, was talked about her experience and how then she felt um, that she could face other challenges. <clears throat> and so when you face those challenges, you become stronger and, and it doesn't mean that like it's one challenge and it's over, but it means that you've grown, you've become someone else. And now you're going to be tested for how strong that, how well you've learned that, how strong that change, that sense of identity is. So um, does that, does that make sense? Do you, can you relate that to your narrative, maybe to a time when you went, you went through something um, and you thought it was just going to be this thing. And then um, you've found that there's new challenges um, that have tested you. 
can I just ask Rob, are you are you kind of just to summarize what you just said there, are you kind of saying um that you'll go through an ex- you'll go through a situation, you'll have that experience, then you'll change or develop as a result of that experience, or so you believe, then you'll have a similar experience in future that will either be the same or make you feel emotionally. And then because of that experience that you will then, or you should react differently to the first time. And it's almost like a test to prove that you have learned from the first one. Yeah. It's, it's basically a, a new identity from it. And the, the test reinforces the identity. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That that's equivalent to, to talking about personal growth in a way. Yeah. So so you've had a challenge. Um, so so let's say someone wanted to deal with stress and they found meditation or something um, got them through a really stressful time, and then in the future when they're stressed, the test is can they cope with that stress? Okay. So. Then that's really now. So that is the journey into the into the special world, and then then what happens is is the return, the resurrection, and it's where you reemerge. You you come back into your ordinary world, but you come back changed. Um, and so, um. So I'm trying to think because like the Matrix, the Star Wars, they don't really come back. Um, I mean, Harry Potter comes back and he's he's different. He like he stands up to the family. He is no longer the boy who's just going to be shoved under the stairs. Um, Gandalf, Gandalf is a good example of that, isn't he? In Lord of the Rings, where he gets engaged in like a good that battle. The yes, Matrix, as well. Sorry, the Matrix. He comes back as well, though, doesn't he? Um, yes, yeah, so I suppose he doesn't come back to the ordinary world, but he, yeah, he comes back to the cruise. Do you know, do you know what it's yeah. making? Do you know what it's making me think of? And what you were just saying is 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 the England football team and penalty shootouts is something I was thinking. So, so you know, obviously they actually won one at the world, or they they won a penalty shootout at the World Cup, and there were all those years, weren't there? All those decades where they couldn't win a penalty shootout, and it was always the Germans, and and things just did feel different. I think, and yeah. I don't know how it felt for them, because it's such a weird thing, isn't it, to always lose when basically, as a professional okay. footballer, you know. But it, but it clearly there was something psychological there, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, I'm a Liverpool fan, so last year, um, I don't oh, know what. Like, why didn't you tell me this like eight weeks ago? <laughs> I would, never, would never have joined this. I would never join this. <laughs> so, like thirty years, we come so close so many times. And then, like, yeah. well, and and then then it's the year where we almost didn't complete the season. Although Alan would have liked that. Well, look at look who's top of the league at the moment. But I know there's ladies present, so we won't uh, talk about football. Um. So. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's. That's a really good uh, analogy. Um, um, like the, the cycling team as well. Like the uh, UK cycling team had 
won they'd won one medal in a hundred odd years where ma major bike manufacturers didn't want them riding their bikes because they thought it would hurt sales because they were so bad and then suddenly you know they did all the incremental improvement and uh, yeah, Alan Brailsford, Sir Alan, um, whatever his name is, um, brought in this system and suddenly, I don't know how many they've, um, like 40 or 50 medals um, and Tour de France is in that time. Um, and yeah, a lot of sports is all about psychology. Um, Andy Murray, um, no one's won Wimbledon until um, uh, Roger Bannister obviously would be the the epitome of that. So how does this then relate to us? So people typically have relationship patterns. So maybe it's always choosing the wrong person. Maybe it's always getting frightened and, and running away from the relationship. Maybe it's um, always feeling insecure in a relationship and um, then never um, never been able to settle, uh, never been able to, to assert your boundaries um, or always staying in a relationship and not leaving when you know um, like it's over really. Um, so these are ways like you go through the ordeal and then it solidifies that you're changed and then you emerging into the, the ordinary world is maybe you're now part of a couple and that's a different, that's going to change the context of your social environment and, and the way that you live. Or maybe you were a couple and now you're um, on your own and that's going to change, you know, like social, social groups, friendship groups and that change after a, a breakup of a long relationship. So that's about re-emerging with this new identity, which is all part of it solidifying as your new identity. And then... So the, the final stage is the return of the elixir, it's, it's the return of the boon. So the whole point of this journey, this quest, is to bring, oh, is to bring something back. It's to bring something back, not just for you, but for the greater world. So Neo in the Matrix was to unhook people from the, from the Matrix. And, and when he like reemerged on the ship, it's like, okay right this is it I, i'm the one i'm gonna go and do this um luke skywalker got they got their sort of coming out ceremony and they were like yep we're we're, we're gonna fight this up fight this war um harry potter is um like grown in in confidence and he, he has a sort of status around the um he begins to step into the legend that he already was um rocky is um he lost the fight ultimately, but he went from no one who, like a joke, to someone who, who was a true contender and who won over everyone's respect, especially like when you look at Rocky IV and, um, you know, when he, he went into Russia and everyone hated him. Um, and then he's, he kind of like single-handedly topples the, the Russian um, stronghold on it. Um, so... When we look at some of the older ones, it's like uh, Jesus um, and the story of Jesus is that he died to, to um, pay for the sin of sin of man. Um, and Buddha found this enlightenment 
um, and he came back and, and lived for another 40 years to, to share what he'd learned with people. So the, the ultimate story is that we went on a quest for something greater than ourselves and we became transformed in it. So how does this relate to relationship? So we, we re-emerge, we, so I suppose ultimately it means that we become a better person so that we become a better partner. We become the person that demands more from our partner so that we have the relationship that we want. Does that make sense? And can anyone relate to those stages or have any comments, observations? Uh, that brings up one word in my head, confidence, um, in that regard, in that um, it's a kind of a metamorphosis that's taken place. But um, at the end of that change, for you to be able to embrace it and to be... Um, sure that it is the right thing that you that's what you are now then it, it's it's because it's a change in you and you have to accept it you have to embrace it but you also have to defend it in a way as in people are going to treat you differently people yeah. are going to treat you differently hmm. they may not like the new you yeah. or that part of you that's added that that's added dimension because it may complicate matters it may make them feel inferior insecure um at a disadvantage to you um they may feel that you are out of their reach now um you have become this other person um and that or that you have eclipsed them in some way. Um, so there are those elements, but which to me says you have to be so um, willing to defend your new state in a sense. And I don't mean by fighting, but be so secure in who you now are and hold on to it and um, be, be so sure that this is right for you and this is the path that you're going to be on, that um, you're not swayed from it. Yeah. Um, making sense. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's all about confidence. But you see, the thing is that people are looking for confidence without the ordeal. So, um, you know, people are always looking, that people want more confidence but um, you have you have to put yourself in the situation to learn. I mean, that's what I'm 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 going back to the penalties again, and I'm thinking that that you know when you're taking that penalty, that football penalty, you know, there's no no matter what you do in training, you've got to do it in a game, haven't you? That there's no, you can't you can't recreate that. You only yeah. know you only know whether you can do it if you actually put yourself in the situation, you take the risk yeah. where, where you go to do it and you learn from that, don't you, I suppose? Yeah. So yeah. that's how you kind of galvanise whether, whether you've learned those skills, I suppose, whether you have changed to, to become yeah. more, more improved, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, 
you it's you see that I mean people talk a lot about confidence but you have to have competence in line with your confidence um, because it, there are people that have confidence but not competence and that's just a recipe for disaster and then there's people that have competence but don't have confidence and that's really just not recognizing um, themselves and the, the reason why you have to go on that kind of hero's journey and face the ordeal is because it's doing that that proves to yourself that gives you the unshakable confidence. Um, because otherwise, until you're tested, like until, like you say, the, you, you can do it in training and, it, and that's fine. But until you're out in front of 90,000 people with millions more watching at home when you know that Stuart Pierce was ridiculed and, and Gareth Southgate was ridiculed and whatever for fluffing the, the penalty um, with all that at stake it's knowing that you can hold your nerve in that moment and there's nothing else that can put you in that so the way that you really build confidence is by being tested but no one wants the test we, we like we all shirk from the test, but it's the test that's going to give us the confidence. And you have to have the struggle to grow the competence and develop the confidence. But a part of that has to do with, to my mind, um, a sense of uh, a fixity of purpose, which is what athletes have. There's a goal and you are not going to be detracted from it by the naysayers, the, you know, all the, all the temptations, not necessarily people, but all the things that can distract you from what you're about. And that feeds into confidence as well. I, I think they're related in the sense that that fixity of purpose, if you don't yeah. have confidence, you can't, you can't hold on to that fixity of purpose because you are, um, you are confident that you will get there, that you will, you, you will make, you will reach your goal. You are going to, so the, it, it, to me, to my mind, it's a number of things that are intertwined and it comes down to your sense of your resolve. Yeah. And th that's why it has to be something you really care about. Um, it has to be something meaning because otherwise if it's, if it's not something that you really care about, um, there's no real investment. There's no real fear. Um, uh, I, I, there was something else I was going to say, but I, I lost it now. So, um, Rob, are you saying that when we have uh, more experience, we develop competence, and then when we, ha when we have competence, we feel confidence? Um, not necessarily. Um, I, I, we should. We should have confidence in line with our competence um, so when we have enough com competence we probably may have confidence but we don't, don't always a lot of people have the competence but not the confidence well, what would stop a person from having confidence if they're actually competent um, because sometimes for example like like Pete's example we might have done it in training, but we might never have been tested. Um, and so we think, can we really do it when it really matters? 
Or... Yes, that's why I say, do, do you have to have actual experience? It's individual, but probably. I mean, it depends on the makeup of the person. Some people are naturally confident, um, but some people are confident without any reason. Um, and um, so, so it depends. Um, but the real strong confidence comes from being tested, yes. I've, I've always been a great believer in beginner's luck as well. Because quite often I find when I've done something for the first time, it, you actually do a lot better at it. And then when you start thinking about it, the second time you do it, you don't do it as well. Like it happened to me with golf, it happened to me with bowling, you know, all these things. As soon as you start thinking about it, everything starts going wrong. But yeah. the first time you just don't care. So you're like, we and like you actually do all right. So I yeah. suppose that's the kind of naivety of, of being a, like, like the fool, but not the fool in a sort of bad thing, but just like you have that naive, naivety, like a child, I suppose, that you don't have, you're, you're not doing, you know, you're not undermining your own self-confidence by, yeah. by having a standard to, to live up to, I suppose. Whereas the second time you do it, you understand it. Because you have to kind of be as good as you were before or else you'll, so there's pressure on you as well. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think, uh, I mean, golf came to mind when when you said that. It's, it's overthinking and, um, yeah, then then it just, just kills it. Um, so like, um, for instance, if you start like a new job, maybe you're not going to be overly confident because you still have a lot to learn. But if you're in the job for a long time, like you're naturally going to get better as you learn from mistakes and you learn what to do better, then you can be more confident. Yeah, I think like the experience will give you confidence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Alan, did you want to? I haven't had a chance to read everything you've. You put in, did you want to? Yeah, that was just a comment from what you said earlier on. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I think relationships are a real area where um, when we feel um, insecure or we feel doubt that we look for a saviour and we feel like, okay, I, I'm really scared of doing this and, and if, uh, you know, like if I was in a relationship and someone was really, really good at this, then, then they would take, you know, it would be easier. It would be easier as a part of a team. Um, so I think there's so a danger. Kind of, um, where, where it's kind of coming from that is what, what kind of struck out was when you made the point about, um, you know, a couple having shared friends and like an image coming to my mind, not from personal experience, um, but an image coming into my mind of somebody being in a relationship with the sharing friends, but liking the friends, but not liking the person that they're with. And then them thinking to themselves, oh, uh, I, sh I shouldn't really be with this person, but I am because if it did, they're more their friends than mine, but I do like that um, friendship. So it's, it's like going back to the fear-based um, position and then, Obviously, that relationship will more than likely end. They'll lose the friends um, and other different aspects, maybe access to children, stuff like that. So they'll have a lot of time on their hands and time 
um, when you're by yourself can lead to um, a lot of um, inward thoughts, can't it? And that person could potentially go inward because of the empty space that they've got within their life, which used to be occupied by doing certain social events and stuff. So kind of what I was saying there was, is I think that filling the empty space with constructive things to do with yourself, building yourself into a better person, doing things such as such as this, where we're we're all learning. You know, even though you're the host, you're you're still learning as well off of other people because we never stop learning every day. Um, and that that can that's a change of identity, isn't it? We're embracing a new identity, and we're putting our focus, even though it's not selfish. We're still it, it, we're still making ourselves the centre in order to improve our lives, and then ultimately improve the relationship when we do engage in each one. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think there is, when you feel like that kind of grief after like a breakup, say, um, there is how you choose to heal um, is really important for your next relationship because if you you can either become stronger from it or you can kind of shrink and 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 become weaker from it and and you look for a solution to to save you um or you can grow from it um you know really watching people go through breakups is the ones who there are people who who it's like the low point of their life and then everything changes and they become really strong from it um and then there's some people that just stay stuck because they just don't want to deal with the fear the grief alan mentioned um an important thing um it, it, the friends the the couple friends you know the friends of the couple um Many people forget that they were individuals before they became a couple. And the friends that they had before as a single person, um, if you become part of a couple and you leave those friends, you abandon those friends, when you have to decouple and and you really need um, support, you have lost those people because you you were so fully committed and subsumed into that relationship that you gave up that part of yourself. And I think it's um, very important never to lose yourself completely into a really in, into a relationship or into a couple, uh, being a part of a couple, a, a, an established couple. Because um, as Alan says, you run the risk of being empty when that breaks up and you can get into yourself so much that you uh, run the risk of really injuring yourself um, and I don't mean physically but uh, but yeah. mentally yeah it's true so we've we've come to the end of the 
Um, so that's that's basically the end. That's that's then you see you've reemerged with a new identity, um, and that's basically the hero's journey. So. Oh, okay, but are you saying that oh, you've come out on the other side, um, having conquered as the hero <laughs> or heroine? Um, oh, by the way, yes, it was always so, where. Where are we? <laughs> I meant to say that. I meant to say that, and uh, thanks, Ben. Um, actually, there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of flack over the fact that there's not a heroine's journey, that the heroine's journey should be different. There, there is someone who's done a heroine's journey. Um, but because the, there are there are other steps as well. There's like 24 in steps. Not all stories have all of them. Um, but it's um, there's meeting with the goddess. And um, so, I mean, this was written in the, in the 30s, um, 30s or 40s. So it is inherently sexist. Um, uh, the Velvet Underground is that the? Oh, I don't know. It's a joke. I'm talking about heroine's journey, basically. But ah, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. Um, actually, I'll I'll uh, I'll share the image just so you can see that like this this <laughs> cycle. So this is the so it's basically a circle. It's, it's a circle. So you, you've you've left the ordinary world with one identity. You've become changed by the journey, and um, you've returned with the gift. So it's so it's all um, yeah. Return to where you were, but changed. But then you've got. I'm going to put a spoke into that wheel. If you think that you have achieved everything because you have returned with the elixir and you have come back to the step change, you do not stop there. You have to continually evolve because you are on a treadmill, so to speak. Things are always changing. And if you don't keep changing, you are stuck again. Yeah, I mean, that's really why yeah. like Star Wars has... Uh, so many different episodes and the matrix has about three or four yeah i mean this is one journey for one thing so yes it's not done for life but it's it's about you know what's the next step what's the next stage and uh rob rob would you say the elixir is like some kind of inner wisdom or something yeah i mean um yeah uh for buddha it was uh Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the, the whole enlightenment. Um, for Jesus, it was his story that changed the world. But, but what, what would have been a more, more normal? Um, so like Rocky. Rocky is about showing that anyone can do it. Um, and in his own way, uh, David Goggins is, is spreading that message that you're more than you, you could have been. Um, so, um, yeah, it's 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 showing um, right. So I'll stop that now. But it's it's showing that there's uh, yeah, as Alan says, the infinite game. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's there's there's some benefit. 
not just to you. Oh, I see. So, so also, I mean, if, if you're going to talk in a, in a relationship basis, you're, you are a better partner. You're going to like call your partner to a higher standard. So you're going to have a better relationship. You're then going to model that better relationship, which is then going to have impact for other people who are inspired by what they see. Um, you're going to bring back so much confidence and knowledge that um, other people are going to like recognize like people recognize when you when you know something um and uh so yeah so it's all that benefits right so i think that's that's the hero's journey it's kind of um it's a lot to take in, and um, this, this, I think the structure is brilliant, and it's relevant to all of us, but it's seeing how it's relevant. Because we, um, we don't, we can often see, if we were to look at other people, we can see the stages, we can see, okay, you, you're like, you have it all there, you just do it. But for ourselves, um, I'm just going to mute. Um, I'll mute some back, background noise. Um, so we um, we can see it in other people, but we don't always see it in ourselves. And that structure is telling us that everyone is going through the same thing. All of us, um, we're scared of different things. We have different challenges, but all of us face that terror. All of us face that fear. All of us face that uncertainty and anxiety and in our own ways and and the the i think one of the key points of the hero's journey is that while you have that mentor that you meet that gives you the initial confidence um so when you think morpheus you think yoda you think um, dumbledore there's a point and gandalf there's a point where they can't go any further there's a point where Harry Potter has to go off and, on his own. There's a point where Rocky steps in the ring and he, you know, Mickey can't be, or Mickey dies, um, where he has to do it on his own. And there's a point where Luke realizes that, okay, like Yoda's given him all this wisdom, but he still has to do it. Um, um, and Neo um, realizes like he's at the point where it's him. Um, when Morpheus is, is like he has to save Morpheus and, and it's there's no one there in David Goggins terms no one's coming to save you um, and ultimately that's the lesson we all have to to recognise I mean that sounds quite harsh like I, I think though at that point though where you're saying um, yeah, no one's coming to save you well, we don't want them to. I think that's part of the lesson. We don't want them. We don't want to be shaped because that would make us a victim, wouldn't it? And we it, don't it, want to be a victim. It would, but when you're really scared and, and you really you really just want an easy solution, um, mm. you'd settle for someone saving you. And oh, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's like we have to go through that. Um, and we, we only tend to go through that when we have to because mm. otherwise we're looking for the solution we're looking 
for someone to give us the solution. And and when you look at like diet, I look at diets as being an example of this. The the secret of dieting is is quite simple. Like you you eat less than you um, you eat less than you use. Uh, um, and yet none of us want to accept that. We all want to still eat the chocolate. We still want to have the treats. And so we look at the thousands and the millions of different diets because we don't want to accept that basic truth. And in the same way, when people get scammed with get rich quick, when people get scammed with um, some uh, Romeo who, who fleeces them or some, um, you know, like someone who, who scams them, it's because we wanted to believe in some simple solution. Is that the is that the difference between faith and delusion that you're talking about? Faith and delusion. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, we don't we don't really know until we have evidence whether we're putting faith in something. Um, why are we putting faith in it? If we're putting faith in because there's evidence, then we're on better ground. If we're putting faith in it because of blind fear and hope or greed, um, then um, that's where we're going to become vulnerable. See, I would, I would, I would say that faith would be not so much evidence-based. Um, it's, it's more, it's, it's a, a, because basically when you kind of sum everything down, everything is an idea, isn't it? It's an idea to be frightened about something. It's an idea to be secure about something. And it's also an idea to be delusion, delusional about something. And I think that there's definitely a fine line between delusion and faith. Um, but there's also a fine line between delusion and faith as well. Um I suppose delusion could be argued that, some, that that's never going to be attain, obtainable. So you were talking about the quick fix, the fad within the diets, that it, and, and that will be delusional to assume that you can still eat a load of chocolate and put more calories into your body than you're burning off and expect you know, there to be no change or to be reduction in weight. Technically, that will be delusional. But... You, you've got the placebo effect, haven't you? Where if you, I, I see an experiment a couple of years ago, where there was a load of uh, a cohort of ladies who were suffering from really low self-esteem, and they were given um, like a nicotine patch, but obviously it wasn't nicotine; it was a certain chemical that was on the uh, arm for two weeks. And when they felt particularly low, they they rubbed the patch as you would uh, a nicotine patch. And they interviewed the ladies um, before, some of which wouldn't come on camera because they were too shy. And then he did an interview after. And out the cohort, there was 80% um, of the ladies who reported an increase in confidence. Some of them couldn't look in the mirror. Now they could. Some of them couldn't talk to strangers. Now they can't. Some of them didn't put makeup on because they, they just hated how they looked, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they were all asked at the end of the experiment, um, you know, would they consider purchasing this new product? 
And as I say, 80% said yes. And it turned out that the product, this plaster that they put on their, on their arm, literally was just the plaster. It had no special ingredients in it whatsoever. It was just a normal sticking plaster. But the placebo effect generated the feeling or the impression or, more importantly, the belief that it was something that, that, that it essentially wasn't. So it could be delusional that a plaster is going to improve your face. Um, and it also could be delusional that it isn't. But the fact that these ladies believed that it could, I think, influenced their decision because ultimately it had no magic powers, but 80% of them reported, you know, very different gifts, but on the upward side of, um, of an improvement. Yeah, um, it's really about in the, like the stage with the, with the mentor is really about you think that you need something and and yeah, you, so you need something to believe in, but ultimately, what it's really about is you transcending, um, you transcending that. That's like a bridge. It's like a bridge, um, and so. It's delusional in a sense like like we we talked about dating games and and all those tricks and things and when you look at the rules the rules has um probably thousands of people that that say how great it is um the something that does exactly the opposite will have will also have people saying how it got them in relationships and things like that it's not the actual um like it can be the most offbeat, um, ridiculous set of rules, but if someone believes in it, um, that can be enough. Um, and so sometimes even the, I mean, like the secret, um, things like that is, um, I mean, the, uh, I mean, I think the secret is, for me, it was it was terrible, like the, the way that it was done. And I know the law of attraction, and, and and I've heard Abraham Hicks and things like that, which is a much different version. But um, there are people who believe in that, and because they believe in that, that gives them the confidence. I mean, p people pay like five or ten grand to go and see Tony Robbins for this like hyped up state. Um, because that gives them the confidence um, and that can be a solution. Isn't it, isn't it sometimes about delegation of responsibility as well? Yeah. And that's In what I'm thinking. So, so I think for me, you know, like ha having this thing that you want, I think sometimes I use that as a, as a, as a sort of excuse not to have to do it because I haven't got that thing. So it's as if I'm, I'm, I'm sort of kicking that can down the road that I don't have to take that risk now or make that decision now. And I think. So sorry, sorry, I, I missed. I didn't hear the first bit when you didn't have. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's about, um, it's about like delegating responsibility. So by having that object that you're saying that you're missing, you're delegating responsibility to something else. That that thing is in charge. It determines whether you will succeed or fail. And that if you don't have that thing, then you don't have to make that. Or you, it doesn't matter if you fail or something. I think I'm, I'm kind of tying myself up here, but it's I'm kind of relating it to what Alan was saying about 
about um because I think it's something that I do certainly when I'm on dating sites and stuff I, I don't I always kind of think I need something else I suppose to to do something but I'm quite happy to do that to say oh yeah I don't, I don't want to make that decision now, but I can blame it on X. So it's kind of like, I'm not, I'm not using it as, it's not a fear thing going forward, but it's just a thing going back to blame something, I suppose. Basically. But it can sometimes go forward as well, maybe at a psychological level. This is actually what I'm doing. And it's one of the things I've noted in my own behaviour, that maybe this is something I do as a defence mechanism. So, that, yeah. so to prevent me from taking those risks, basically. Because yeah, I mean, we, we use all kinds of games, um, um, and so um, I think it, it, it's a thing of of feeling stuck and feeling like you don't have the solution. Um, and I think Tony Robbins is a genius at um, creating the atmosphere where someone feels like they can do it. And it's like he manages emotions. He manages the energy um, so that someone feels that. Um, and, you know, all of these different things can be, um, they can be what someone believes in. Um, it, all just, it all just depends on the makeup. So, um yeah it, it's it's basically the p p uh, placebo effect if you feel that something um has um is going to give you a solution so it's not saying like of, of course there's there's medicine there's a uh, placebo effect that that will work for so many people and then of course the medicine to to get um uh, registered and and able to sell has to prove that it has a, a, a an actual effect not just a placebo effect so of course there's um solutions and that that are going to be better um but anything i mean you could literally put up i mean people do sell all these potions and things on ebay oh, i don't know if they still do it but um you know there was someone selling uh, a copper bracelet that give you eternal life or something um and when, when I lived yeah. in East London, we used to get witch doctor business cards through the uh, through, uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, and there's a whole, um, Sasha, um, there's a whole cultural, you know, like the, the shaman and and witch doctors. And if you've grown up and you have that um, belief, um, then that's powerful for you because that gives you um the the belief but yeah I, I i think it could just be your lucky pants or your lucky tie or something as well though but it's not yeah i mean yeah i mean if you if you've grown up with that um like my my um family will come from ireland so there's very superstitious um and so like my nan and you know is very um believe in those things um so yeah, it's it's it, it's whatever gives you the spur. Um, and, but I think knowing knowing that those stages, um, being conscious of it is helpful. 
is it a fundamental human belief though that we always feel that we are incomplete and that we need something from outside of us to make us complete or to be capable as in we're always looking for that mentor that magic stone i think in a sense it's essential we're, um, we're stuck with we're stuck alone um because otherwise we're stuck we're limited by our own head um we need that's why we need diversity we need different perspectives because otherwise you know like groups you have group think when people just think the same and they all agree the same they make terrible decisions um so to a certain extent we do we do need it um and that's part of what why we're social we, we are social so we need um so we do need um people um now i i've i've gone off on a on a tangent but um can you can you say exactly the first part of the question well i was just saying it seems that as human beings we have a fundamental belief that we're never enough so we're always seeking something outside of ourselves, whether it's witches or magic stones or a mentor or whatever but with the idea that nobody's coming to save us but we don't believe it until we have a mentor or some sort of magic uh, token what I'm saying is, as human beings, we seem to have a fundamental belief that we're not enough. Yeah. Um, yes, I think I think that is the case. And I think certainly culturally, um, a lot of that is put in culturally, um, just by the nature of how we how we grow up. We grow up into a moving world, which we don't understand. Um, we grow up to parents that, um, in the best case, don't have time. Um, in the worst case, don't have the best of intent and haven't had the best start themselves. Um, we so we grow up into a world that seems bigger than us, um, particularly now rather than when we were in maybe a village of 150. We grow up feeling like powerless because we're a child in a in a world, especially now. You've got organisations that are bigger than countries. You've got um, so much governmental control that, um, and we've got a, a school system that tells you that you're not good enough. Um, so I think there's that, but I think there is inherently the world is so big that we've always been scared of what's at the boundaries of what we know. So it used to be that we were scared of the trolls under the bridge. We were scared of the, the pixies and the whatever, witches and the creatures in the forest. Um, but now we've conquered the forests, we're scared of aliens. Um, and now we're starting to go into space, we, we're scared of um, zombies, we're scared of, um, uh, like we said at the beginning, artificial intelligence. Um, so we're always scared. Um, and I think there's always a horizon that we, the nature is that we can never be content because to be content would be to be de dead, like to not want anymore. Um, life is about expansion. You know, a, a plant goes from, it grows the, the trunk, it grows the branches, it grows the leaves. Um, we always want more. Um, so the nature of society is we always want more. We want, want to expand. Um, we want to conquer new lands, explore new, new lands. So um, I think there's inherently something that we don't feel enough and part of that is a drive to evolve 
And even if you look at the universe, the universe is evolving um, and expanding. I know that there's a point that it's going to con constrict, uh, um, but all we've known is expansion. Um, so yeah, I think I think there is something deep in us that, and I and, and Joseph Campbell says that we don't really want. Um, what does he say? We don't really want. But basically, what he says is we want the experience of of being alive, and that's what pushing boundaries makes us do. You know, earlier on when you said that you can change an experience by applying a different narrative, what did you mean by that? Okay, so um, when someone has a breakup, um, they're devastated. And really, when you get to it, what they're devastated about is that they've, in their part, in the, what the person really meant to them was future happiness, that they saw that they were their best chance of being happy. And the fear that someone goes through after a breakup is the fear that they're never going to be happier, never going to be as happy again, that they've lost something that they can never find back. And the moment that they, like, how long does it take you to get over a breakup? And there's all these people that say, oh, well, if the relationship was 20 years, it's going to take you 10 years or it's going to take you half long. It doesn't. It takes a, a second. And it takes the second when you stop buying into that belief that, because the relationship's ended, um, your future's ended. And when you say, okay, that relationship's ended, but I can have better, I have better in my future. And the moment that you have that belief, that's the change of narrative. And when you, when you have that belief, it changes how you feel. And so it changes how you feel and you feel more empowered, you feel more confident, you feel stronger. So you go out and that creates the new reality. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're talking about reframing. Um, reframing, it, it sounds a bit like, um, okay, I'm going to use this tool and I'm going to reframe it, but I don't really have any belief in it. But what I'm saying is when you really believe in it. So yes, it is reframing, but, but not just verbally telling the story, but believe in it deep. So it soaks deep into you. Okay. I mean, we, we were talking earlier, weren't we, about the difference between faith and delusion, and that's the classic. You know, that's the way, you know, like if you, if you don't believe something, can you believe something enough to make yourself believe it, if you see what I mean? Or like, how do you change your beliefs apart from through positive experiences? Or you, know, you can't, I don't think you can, you can't always think your way into these things, I don't think. You, you can think yourself into problems. Um, yeah. thinking is only you can tie yourself up in knots by thinking yeah. and you can think oh is this the solution oh, I need to go deeper I need to go deeper and, and you can just yourself around in circles yeah, yeah so how, um, how do you cause a shift in belief if you want to do that deliberately consciously as opposed to it just happening spontaneously okay so so the lesson from the hero's journey is experience being tested being put in a tough situation changes you um, so the best way is um, to face your anxieties, face your fears. Um, because so anxiety is all about the belief of what might happen or the fear of what might happen. And so when you face that anxiety, um, you're not you're never going to be anxious again about that. Now, something it, 
whatever you do. So if you're anxious about this thing, right, you can, what people normally go is they go close to it and then they shirk away and then they go close to it and shirk away. And so it's like a fire. And the closer they got, they felt the, the, the heat of it. And so they're scared of it. But the person that goes through it is past it. They, they no longer have that. And they, they don't really, they don't get, you know, from anxiety, you don't get burnt up. But what happens is it changes. So you no longer have anxiety. You, you might have the situation, it might not go well, and you might be a little bit embarrassed, or um, it, it might go well. But usually, once you've gone through, the, done the thing that you're anxious about, you um, are no longer anxious. Um, and usually, even if it doesn't go that well, you feel a bit more confident because you did it uh, and you feel a little bit better about yourself because you don't feel that victim. You kind of overcome your fear and you get the experience. Yeah. Um, so we're always going to have fear um, and it's just about the willingness to face it. It's about becoming comfortable living with fear and recognizing that you know fear is is a protective device um and really it's a biological thing to protect us from lions and um whatever but we just have a nervous system that's built for the stone ages in a technological society and so we're stressing ourselves over things that are irrelevant um you know the, a, a meeting going wrong isn't going to kill us um someone rejecting us um we're going to live it's the saber-toothed tiger that we had to worry about um and because of the nature of evolution we haven't grown past that um primal fear it's important to talk about goals as well though and i know sandra and alan have mentioned this as well because when you're sort of trying to test yourself and put yourself in those situations to help yourself grow, you need to mix up your goals, I think, because obviously there are, there are very good psychological effects in setting yourself easy goals because they can build confidence. But you obviously also need to set yourself some difficult goals as well in order to really take risks to learn with the experience. So because it's and it can be quite it's quite a challenge, isn't it, I think, to set goals for yourself where you don't, unless you're particularly good at coping with failure, I suppose. But if you're sort of starting out, putting your head back together again after something, then you need to sort of, you need some nice easy goals to do it as well, I think. As well as yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, I think you need a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning that it means something to you. But um, what you, what's really important about motivation is progress is being able to see progress and the thing um like I, i'm i'm at the moment like trying to figure out how do you show progress in a relationship um you see when people go on dating sites um and in any like in any cycle the cycle of change you go through the dip and it's always going to get worse and it's going to seem like hopeless um and a lot and it's same with relationships relationships uh jed diamond talks about the, the the dip and then before the up and most couples split at the dip and it's because they don't expect it and this is why i think the hero's journey is really important because w all of the struggles we have in life 
are we're going to go through that dip when you like when you learn to drive you go through that dip and it's like you never think you're going to get the hang of it um i'm sure like when you're at university or learning your careers there's there's a time you could start a job and you like feel like the idiot in the room um and you hate feeling stupid and not knowing anything and, and particularly when you work some places and people try and set you up um and it's like you you is it you just feel like you're never going to get there and then but then eventually you do and it becomes comfortable so um one of the big problems in relationships is we don't have a metric um to to know progress because motivation is about progress if we feel that we're making progress um we're encouraged and this is what facebook and um all these kind of gamifications and social media do is they show you your progress um and so that you get that shot of dopamine and so that's why they're addictive um but we don't always get that um dating in relationships um so yeah it's, it's progress um yeah um you've got to have some clarity of goal to something that to go for um because otherwise typically society now with the social media and all these things it's all about likes it's about um things that don't really matter but give you a quick hit and unless you have something some sort of goal that's meaningful and um a little bit deeper you're not going to persist um and that's why people normally only move in pain you know it's it's a breakup that makes someone reevaluate their life and um grow um it's the people i've seen grow most has been after a breakup it's been the people that have really hit rock bottom and they've um been on like this journey they had all this time um you know in, instead of having weekends crying um um moping about the house and 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 whatever they were like on courses they were reading books and they were like how do i fix this situation that i'm in and it's those people that have really changed the level um that they operate on um so can i ask what what do you mean when you say gamification okay so um so gamification let's see um so so basically facebook snapchat um so i don't know if you've ever seen this social dilemma um which is quite a popular netflix show um so basically whenever you do anything on facebook the facebook engineer engineers and this is the same as snapchat and all of those things are looking how can they make you feel good so the price that someone pays on an advert on facebook is determined on does it make you feel good and the ads that make you feel good and um make you feel positive and therefore stay on facebook longer um are cheaper um so it's things like the like button is to is to make you feel validated um showing you um so i'm trying to think of a um I don't know can anyone jump in with an idea of gamification i know it's like when you do fitness and there's certain programs that um give you badges 
um, Snapchat. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Snapchat, but the Snapchat streaks are about giving you rewards for um, for um, so that you use the product. Um, but it's it's basically making it into a game, and where it, where they make it into a game when they give you points or they give you likes or they give you something that makes you feel good. Is um, it like so that you get a dopamine hit and get addicted? Exactly. Yeah, it's conditioning. Yeah, so yeah. that you you associate, and so it's like you associate the um, um, like touching the phone, like. Okay, quick poll, show of hands or um, hands up on the reactions. Who puts their phone down and then picks it up for no reason? I do sometimes. Um, that's how the phone has, has, has got you. Like, if you're there um, for probably like half an hour, you were just going to pick up your phone just because we've been programmed to. Um, so that, um, and I think the, like the scroll function is, is designed to, you move down, you, you, that action then becomes conditioned that you expect to be surprised and, um, be shown new things by, by the act of scrolling. Yeah. yeah so we're looking at Pavlo uh, at pa Pavlovian responses then. Um, it's even a little bit more sophisticated than that. I think it's um, so. Yeah, it's Pavlovian. But um, what they found was, I think it was Skinner found um, that the most um, addictive was when you didn't know when you were going to get the reward. It's Pavlovian, but oh. every time you get the reward. Um, but the more addictive is when you don't know when you're going to get the reward. And this is why people in toxic relationships, like narcissistic relationships, why they get so addicted, because they never know when they're going to get that high, that someone's going to be lovely, um, and then they're going to be horrible, and they're going to be horrible, and people are hanging on, because the next time they might get that high again. Um, and that's how people get addicted to bad relationships. So it's dangling a carrot and you don't know when you're going to be able to... Yeah, it, it, yeah it's like some, sometimes, like three times you might get nastiness, but that other time you get like where you're treated as the most special person in the world and that feeling, um, they're constantly trying to, what do I have to do to recapture that? That's a type of mental enslavement then. Yeah. So um, you're talking about dating now. So um, I was just wondering, like, um, I was, I don't know if you're talking about dating in particular, but um, for dating, would you say, like, it's best to um, look for a girl, like, um, or should you maybe just allow it to happen naturally? I don't know how to explain it, maybe. Yeah. Um, do you mean, like, consciously date or... Um... Just wait well, some people, like some people have the advice that you should maybe learn about dating and um, that's what I was thinking. But then other people would say, no, don't worry about dating. Um, just focus on yourself and um, maybe you'll find the right person. Yeah, 
And um, I'm not sure which was the best option. I think yeah. people say that because you don't want to um, be desperate. You don't want to say like, oh, um, I need a girlfriend to make me happy. You need to, um, I guess, um, focus on yourself. But I don't know. I'm, yeah. I just wonder which is the best option. Is it to learn more about dating and relationships or is it to focus on yourself? Or maybe it's a bit of both. It's both. I, I think in the sense that, yeah, you don't want someone to um, fill a gap. Um, but wait, like the whole idea of it will just happen. Yeah. Well, um, what you're really doing in dating, um, like all of us, um, whether you're dating or, or single or in a relationship, like everyone who's single is, is pretty much going to meet someone. You're going to get in a relationship. But what yeah. the, the reason to learn dating is so that you have choice over who you get in a relationship with. So yeah. if you wait and you just, there's going to be someone in two years that's going to come um, and you're going to find this person and, and think they're great. But if you've already like filtered through 50 people mm. um, and you're still going to meet that person, but you're better educated as to um, what's right for you. You're more confident. Um, so it's both because you, you're if you're just if you're just looking for tricks to um, attract anyone as a girlfriend, then what's going to happen is is that you're not going to be at the you're not going to be at the state that's going to maintain a, a relationship that's going to work. Yeah. So, so in, you need to be strong, capable, confident yourself, and then have the skills to know that on demand you can go and find someone today, because that's going to give you the confidence so that you're different in the relationship. You're not in the relationship because you need it. You're in the relationship because this is the person I choose to be with, not the person that just stumbled along and I'll settle for. Yeah, makes sense. I think um, it's good to learn more about dating, like to learn, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I look at it is that basically there's three things in life. There's a career um, in terms of success and um, there's uh, love and belonging and there's meaning. And for a career, you're gonna spend three to nine years probably training um even maybe just even just to get into a career um so that takes years um and a relationship um yet we expect that a relationship just comes along yeah um and that's where i think we're flawed that i think we've never invested in relationship knowledge in knowing what makes relationship work because if you looked at any other area where there was a 55% failure rate, um, we, not everyone would say there's a systematic problem. But with relationships, everyone thinks a 55% failure rate is individual error. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. It was my original idea. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you hear, like, con contradictory advice some people might say, like, oh, you're better off not thinking about it and it will just happen. But 
I think it's better to always be proactive. I think you know. Yeah, I I think there's a grain of truth in it in the sense of um like you're in the stage of being um not looking so you're you're not overthinking it it's, it's kind of yeah. goes back to what Pete says about overthinking it and I think Alan Alan said in the chat as well it's really being clear about why do you want to date like I think um and again like Pete said like having a goal it's just really being consciously in control of your life and knowing and I think this is this is the real lesson is that relationships are under your control it's about knowing what you have to do in order to, um, like knowing what's the next step. And I think the problem is, first of all, we don't have a relationship body of knowledge um, that's really sufficient enough um, or developed enough. And the other thing is like people think, oh, I'm going to read a relationship book. Well, what do you read? Um, you know, you've got five love languages is, is communication. It's just an element. You've got um, the Gottman's relationship building. Again, just an element. You've got dating oh. books. You've got... Um, uh, men are from women. Women are from Venus. Uh, something like yeah, that. I mean, that's basically communication. It's male-female dynamics. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're talking about Stan Tatkins next week, which is an attachment theory. But all of these are just tiny little strands of relationships um and so people think oh yeah i've read this book i know it's just one aspect yeah relationships are very complicated like it, it is because it it's really a project like a career is a project yeah you have to like if you're looking for um it's yeah it makes sense like you need to kind of study a little bit like you know uh, about relationships like you need to learn like because I heard, like, some people, like you said, like, and I've heard um, some people can be in relationships even though they don't really even like the person, but they're just afraid to be alone or they don't yeah. want to, they don't like themselves, so they feel like uh, they need to be around someone all the time. Yeah. I, I've been in, um, I've, I used to have physical groups like this, and I've been in a group which was, it, it was difficult relationships, but it, it turned out to be people in, in physically abusive relationships. Oh. and they were going back and they were going, well, what do you do? I've got friends who are on dating sites and I don't want to be alone. Yeah. Um, and they would rather um, be in a physically and emotionally abusive relationship yeah. um, just out of the fear that they felt that that was their only option. And that's the reason to learn how to date, um, how to do relationships, because so that you're never trapped in that. Yeah. They reckon, um, I don't know if it's true, but I heard someone say like that those people that are in those kind of relationships, sometimes they have like a, maybe a bad childhood, like not the best relationship with their parents and stuff. Um, yeah, there's, there's usually a vulnerability. There's yeah. usually a vulnerability in the, and it's the person that they may activate that and, and the context. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is, which is why it's really important on the other thing to work on yourself as well. Um, because if you have a vulnerability, the vulnerability comes from like if you have toxic beliefs then you get a toxic relationship yeah um so the clearer that you are and the stronger that you are the um more you'll expect and demand um, yeah. and people will give you the minimum that they have to in a relationship mm, yeah 
I feel mm-hmm. like, um, we can all, it's difficult because like, I read a lot of, um, you know, personal development, very interested in personal development books, but I feel like you have to read things to apply rather than just read things just for information because, I think we can all, well, not maybe we can't, but I think I've definitely fallen into the trap of just reading books, but just absorbing the knowledge. You can sort of get like this mental constipation where you think too much about it and then you don't actually do it. And I think that when it comes to anything in life that is sort of a value, you have to be willing to sort of take a few punches. Um, and I think that the strength in relationships just comes from the strength within yourself because as you said, Rob, you know, you have to, basically have a a large degree of self-worth I just don't believe that relationships can truly be successful unless each person has a large degree of self-worth because I just don't see how it would actually work yeah um yeah that that's true um yeah I I think I look at relationship a relationship the basic building blocks of a relationship is people and it's like a tape the relationship is the table on the people and everyone says like oh for the relationship you sacrifice for the relationship how can you sacrifice for the relationship when the relationship doesn't really exist it's the dynamic between them mm. and so the only thing that matters is the individuals and if you have one you know that isn't strong and can't cope then it's just going to collapse and it's all going to drain on the other person and if the other person um i mean you have to be superhuman to keep it going and, and why um, the the thing I would say about um, personal development books is is that yeah I I, I think they you, they need to be practical because a lot of them are just theoretical and a lot of them are um, for the shit. <laughs> um, I mean, really, we're back to the witch doctors again. I think. Well, I mean, when when you look at business card through, said I'll make you a love potion. Is it basically? Yeah, a lot. I mean, they all have the same stories. Um, And then you'd be better off reading Jane Austen or something, really. No, well, I'm not. I'm not going to tar all. There are some that, but what I'm saying is that it's more practical. But a lot of them. Um, particularly like the 80s ones, they they all told the same stories. They like Napoleon Hill, um, who's like glorified, um, was nothing more than really a salesman who, who um, I mean, basically his principles were he looked at what was the top selling, you know, like the, the sermons that brought in the most. Um, and he just basically he found what the crowd pleasers were and play to them. A lot of the, the stories that keep getting repeated um, verbatim from, from one book to another as gospel truths have never even happened. Like um, what the, the one about goals being written down. So there's this story and they say it was in Yale um, of people write down their goals and, and you have to write down your goals because uh, this study showed that 3% wrote down their goals and those 3% were worth more than all their rest. Never happened. Yale University said, like, I don't know where they're getting it, where this is coming from. We've never done this. Um, and yet, yeah, and so one reads someone else's and all listens to someone's speech and they all add it in, in their books. Um, so. I've never found that. It, it, it depends. I mean, I'm not, not saying there's no value in them, um, but some of them, again, in the same way that we, we gamified some of some books 
Um, so Napoleon Hill, for example, was um, a major one, is designed to um, design to, to what people want to read um, as much. So it depends. I mean, I'm not saying that's true of all. There are lots of good personal development books, but um, they need to be based in, like you said, they need to be based in, in something that you makes your life different. Um, so a lot are purely aspirational, just like the secret. Um, oh. I, Sorry. Um, like, like I think the secret is just, um, I, I'm not saying that the law of attraction, there isn't something to it, but the way that it's portrayed um, and just thinking um, this will come true. Um, I, yeah, I, I think um, in that sense, um they're not necessarily always grounded don't you run the risk of over reading this thing if you're not careful and then being totally confused if you're not careful because um there's just so much literature and i know that there are some people who have written books with no basis in terms of training or anything but except maybe um, personal experience um, and while that may be good and it might give you some insights uh, for somebody who's really seeking how do you navigate through this maze of trash some fairly good stuff and really excellent stuff that um, can give you good tools um, what I'm getting at is, you know, there's just so much out there. How does one find the right things that will genuinely help you without having to delve into all of that trash as well and get confused and go off on tangents and have contradicting information that you have to sort through? To me, if you're not careful, you can end up being worse off than you were when you started. Um, I I think it's like Alicia said. I think you have to apply it, sort of test it. I think um, for for me, um, I think what really determines what we do is is our habits. So there's lots of great um, books on habits, like um, BJ Fogg's um, got his. Um, lab uh in stanford and and he's published some things and then um james clear has developed um same kind of ideas um so i don't i don't think that even the most um hypey stuff like like napoleon hill has many people would say that's changed their lives and it's it's um was the springboard and so there's value in it if you if it if that's the thing that you believe in um but yeah th there are there is a danger in getting lost in the narrative that they have um without i think it, it comes down to there are people like in any field there are people that um 
one you can you can kind of tell them that like the people who are the way that they want to sell you is they'll have this kind of like video sales page and they'll hype it up um, and they'll have the webinar where you're um you're on there and they're going to promise you this and then you can get this if you get all these bonuses and things like like there's a formula um for selling people and it and it basically the premise of it is you're too weak um you need this um and um so they is kind of preying on on weakness um so i think anyone who does that um you um you can sort of see what their intentions are i feel like with anything though you've got to chew, chew the meat and spit out the bones like i would i don't think i've ever read a personal development book and thought yeah i'm and i relate to every single thing that this person is saying because we have our own experiences in life but i think that sometimes you just have that one thing that just resonates with you that you can sort of take away um but for myself i have um books recommended to me by my mentor so i don't pick them out myself because obviously such as what you've said sandra is you can get lost in it and like because they're and it's part of life where I want to achieve and they're helping me to do that. It makes sense for me to take that sort of advice because it's like a tailored approach to self-improvement. But I wouldn't just go out and just buy any book because, you know, I do agree what's been said, like you can get a lot of um, shams out there. There's loads of shams. I say this because um, I had that experience with a, with a young gentleman who was working in the, uh, my family company. And... He came on board and he wanted some books to read. And he was asked to speak to me because I read a lot. And I said to him, um, what are you looking for? What do you like to read? Personal development books. I said, do you read anything else? No. I said, um, that's all you read? Yes. And that's what he wants. I said, okay. So, and he gave me some names um, of, you know, authors that he particularly likes and stuff. And I said, okay, let's um, do something a little bit different. How about you, yes, you find a personal development book that you like to read, you know, Robbins or whatever. And you, um, and I recommend some books and you, choose one of them and read them along with that book as well. And he couldn't do it. He, could, he couldn't do it. He's just because he, and I figured that he felt that he needed this, he needed to get everything that he could get out of everybody's um, insights in how to improve himself because he thought that he was not good enough. And he needed, he needed this constant diet of these books, which I found to be quite um, the zeal and the, uh, the, the, the focus and the, it was just very narrow focused. There was nothing else in his life that he knew he wanted to learn anything about. It was just about that. And I thought that that was even further restricting him 
in terms of what he was um he 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 could learn about life in general because he just would not read anything else I, I think sometimes sometimes though um because i mean when, when i was growing up when i was young i read um lots of personal development books and sometimes and sometimes that can be right for the stage that you're at and it, it's not necessarily the books have value but that leads you to either you you see something beyond that or um or like also i i think you can only get lost in it so long i think sooner or later you're gonna sort of it's not gonna work he thought that that was going to make him successful. That was the bottom line, okay? Yeah. It wasn't so much about relationships. It was about success mm -hmm. and building himself up to being a successful um, person in his career and being the best, you know, being confident and being et cetera, et cetera, and that he was going to shine at whatever he did. And so he needed to read all of these books and so he would be devouring. And I'm thinking to myself, um, if you're on that treadmill, you run the risk also of not um, taking the time to absorb some of the good points that you may be coming across because it's just this desire to be, keep going through another book, another book, another book. Mm. You know, rather than, you know, taking something, and as you're saying, your mentor recommends uh, books, but you take the time to go through and whatever resonates with you, you absorb it. You take the time out to examine it. You turn it upside down, see if it fits with your, you think about it, you, and see if it fits in with the, with, with, with what you are about. But, it's a treadmill of just reading a book after another book and another book. And I don't know, it well, can become a hodgepodge of all these various bits and pieces from all these different um, things that he's reading, but I, I just didn't, didn't pursue it because he was also quite stubborn <laughs> and I wasn't going to try to come. Um, depends what kind of books they are, I guess. Um, for yeah. me, if the person is like curious, he wants to take on new ideas, I don't see it as a bad thing, like. No, that's not the point. The point is that there's nothing else that comes into his 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 consciousness, oh. and he's just reading and reading and reading and reading. And I'm saying, it's a different thing when you take the time out to absorb what is in the book. Oh yeah. It's like a continuous search, but even when you're looking for the treasure and you're standing on top of the treasure, you're not seeing it because you're looking ahead to the next goalpost because you think it's over there yeah I, I i think i think in the same way that um when we 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 naturally are going to eat junk food more than nutritious food we're naturally going to um go for what's ever easy in the same way we're gonna like we're gonna be on facebook rather than um something deeper and in the same way with books, we're gonna we're gonna gravitate to the ones that are lighter. Um, but it's it's knowing, um, and I, I I don't want to say like that for all. I think there's a certain section of personal development where it's like selling the American dream, and it's selling or, or it's that kind of um, there's a certain genre of which is motivational without much else um but 
but again, different things will work for different people. And, and there's, um, you know, the, the, everything has some grain of truth. You, you just have to find a way to peer review things, don't you? For some people, that could be, you know, talking about it, which is quite a good thing. You know, it's good to talk through these ideas with other people, doesn't it? To see if they think they're... Because obviously, you know, I've known people that have... I've, I've had friends, who, like the Alan Carr's Top Smoking book. Loads of my friends suddenly started banging on about that, and they, they never even mention it these days. There have been other sort of culty books that people sort of read, and they, and they just turn into weird little disciples. Basically, and I, I don't get it because I tend to stay away from those sorts of ones. But a lot, a lot of maybe the dating books, but not the self motivation because I don't really know about self motivation. In that, you know, you're just in a sort of belief, I suppose. Aren't you? And I suppose what you say is good, but provided you have some way of looking at it. But a lot of it's written in quite like pseudo science, scientific language, yeah. which tries to give it some sort of basis in reality, and like, yeah. and, you know, and. Like psychology is a notoriously difficult uh, sort of science to, to 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 have experiments that actually have worth. No, that's, I don't understand. That sounds really bad, basically. But a lot of them are quite. You're never quite sure what what the science is actually proving. You see what I mean? That yeah. You know, a lot a lot of them don't stand up to the same scrutiny as say experiments doing chemistry or physics or something. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, there's lots of different factors, aren't there? So you can never quite know what you're controlling. Yeah, but and, and peer review these things, it, it's kind of fine, I suppose, isn't it? Basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the real problem is is that you know that in like for example that example of written goals, where mm. it's all recited as fact, and it, you you read it and, yeah. and oh, okay, yeah. Um, none of us ever took every piece of advice we were ever given, did we? No. Like none of us. And the, the, I suppose the skill you learn is working out what's stupid advice and what's actually good advice, I suppose, isn't it? And you generally do that by checking it with someone else. You triangulate, don't you? So you yeah. go, oh, I've read this, you know, what do you think about this or whatever, basically? And then someone's like, oh, yeah, it's rubbish, or let's try it. Like Alicia says, you know, you might say, okay, well, let's try it and see what happens. Hmm. But you run the risk of getting into, you know, you must drink eight glasses of water type of sense. <laughs> so you have to be careful. Uh, and how how do you assess? That's that's that, that's the question. But you, but you but you can either talk to other people about it and, and say like your friends or your family, you know, whoever you you talk to about these things. That's what I'd I'd, I'd, I'd ask them. I'd say, do you think this is stupid or not? Uh, um, I'm not so sure about that one. <laughs> well, I mean, there are there are there are times when people aren't going to believe. Like, there is something valid that's something different, and people maybe aren't going to believe. You know, around that. Um, but I I think it's just I I don't think it's um, I think you can read it, and I don't think it's going to do you any harm. Um, it's just. There's probably um, there's probably better sources, but sometimes it takes like reading through them to to see that. But don't you run the risk of having some people hide behind reading the books rather than? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, no, but then they would hide behind fun. anything because there's no substitute for experience. But yeah, I mean it's. But... So what I as well. Sometimes that there are elements where there are technique as well. So some sometimes 
you know, someone just needs to learn technique or whatever as well. There, there are techniques in these things. It's like dancing. You know, if you didn't read a book on how to dance, how would it, you know, it just speeds up your learning, doesn't it, I suppose? Whereas if you just go out and try and learn on the job, you're going to be standing on your partner's foot all the time, aren't you, basically? Like, sort of yeah. Yeah, basically, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to bash like the whole, there, there are there are good books, um, but th there's just a, a specific sort of genre that, that is built to sell you more. Um, um, and and just that that's all. But it's like most things. I, I I I don't think you can lose by reading them. It's just if you take in everything um, and then you assimilate it all, and it's how you make sense of it all. I mean, I, I read everything um, from all kinds of books. Do you uh, like to read like uh, oh, uh, dating <laughs> books? <laughs> Sorry, would you recommend like dating, reading books about dating? Yeah, well, we're doing one uh, next week. Um, no. um Stan Tack, Stan um, uh, Why for Dating. Um, Best Monday. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. You got a week to read it. So Stan Tackin, uh, Wide for Dating. Wide? Wired. Oh, wired. Uh, wi yeah. Okay. Wired. Okay. Wired. Um, yeah. Uh, I think, like, um, you know, if you're um, having some issues, like, with finding a good relationship, I think reading a dating book might help or to learn, like, how can you find the right girlfriend or something? Um, I think, for, right, my, well, my answer would be you have to uh, date quite a few, have experience to, to, to be able to choose. Um, then it comes down to choice. It comes down to what kind of relationship do you want? Um, and so then you, you're looking more at qualities than typically people look at who's attractive, who's got these sort of characteristics, but you need to look at the qualities that will create the relationship that you want. So um, dating books, like for men, um, Neil Strauss is good. Uh, I think to read his two books is a good journey because one is uh, he learned, I don't know if you know Neil, um, if you've ever come uh, across him, but uh, he was someone- Sounds familiar. Yeah, he was someone who was kind of nerdy and found these, techniques to pick up girls and um, then to basically have who we wanted and then found it was kind of empty and um, so oh, yeah. it's worth reading both books okay. uh, so it's the, the game and the truth yeah um, I think Mark, Mark Manson's got a good one um, models something like models um, like because um like, um, I don't know, like Jordan Peterson, you know Jordan Peterson? Uh, 12 Rules, yeah. Yeah, he said something like, um, there's a guy, like, he's afraid of, like, asking a girl out or something. So to overcome his fear, he decides to just go asking loads of women out on date or something like that. What yeah. would you think about that? Well, that's, that's really 
facing your anxiety because you're no longer anxious about it. But um, it's also going to be bad for your self-esteem because many girls will think you're weird and they'll say, no, they don't want. Yeah, but, but the, the, the thing of feeling anxious is feeling that um, um, the thing is really going to hurt you. And mm. what actually happens is, okay, um, you might feel a little battered, but you're going to feel you are actually feeling worse for not asking. Mm. Because the self-talk in, in, inside is going to say, um, uh, like, re rejection is really projection. They're not rejecting you. They're just rejecting you, you as a supporting cast in their story. Um, so if you feel it's rejection, it's about you, it means that you're making yourself the main star in their story. So, okay. so um, rejection is not is projection, is it? Because really what you when they're rejecting you, what they're really saying is you don't fit into my story of who's going to make me happy. Yeah. And what you're saying is they're rejecting you saying you're not good enough for me. You're not good enough. And yeah. so that's why rejection hurts, because you're telling yourself a different story than the reality that there is. Yeah, because like you're not um, you're not going to be like compatible with everyone, you know, so like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, it's not necessarily compatible because a lot of women are ruling out people for stupid reasons. Mm. Um, and like women's problem is filtering. So they, they may have let's say whatever they have okay typically women will go for top 30 percent intelligence top 10 20 percent of looks um and often six foot or over so just yeah. six foot or over is 14.1 percent of the population uh -huh. um then when you hone that down to like top 30 percent top 10 percent you've got a tiny market of men that all women are going, or most women are going for. Mm. Um, and so that's why it seems so competitive. They're, they're people who are more attractive, who are more charismatic, who probably are more likely to play the field because they have more choice. They're probably going to, going to treat people worse. Um, and none of those factors that women are filtering for relate to a long-term relationship. Because after a year, two years, they don't really like the looks are much less important it's, just, it's kind of like shallow maybe like sometimes it, it, yeah it, it's shallow but it's shallow because people have no more knowledge to base their judgment on and yeah. and so what what everyone's doing is dating by default and when you date by default you date on instinct and your instincts will lead you astray or um they're going to lead you like it's just a maths of dating um, yeah. Unless you've worked out the maths, you've put yourself in a corner where um, you're with all these people. Um, so that's why women hang on for six years for someone who's never going to commit to them. Um, just yeah. hoping, which goes back to the conditioning thing, um, where of taking less than they should from men because they're more attractive men. Yeah. Um, and so... So for women, it's about changing their filters. For men, 
Um, it's about learning dating. Like rejection, as a man, you're going to get rejected over and over and over again. And lots of men give up and get bitter because of that rejection. But the rejection is the game. Everyone's getting the, the rejection. And your hero's journey is to go through that rejection and yeah. just put your emotions aside. You have to learn to deal with the emotions um, and know that um, it's, it's just a process. And, and of course, the other, the other side of it is most men don't know how to present themselves. Um, they don't know how to message properly, how to have um, conversations. Um, and, and so like when you're looking at um, the skill of dating, like, the 80, like you know, there's 20, 80, 20% of gets 80% of the results. Um, that 20% is messaging, knowing how to message. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. actually, I'm going to, we've been running a, a beta course, but we're going to do a bigger thing on dating messaging. Yeah, it's interesting to me because as a man, I don't know, maybe, it's, maybe women see things differently, but for me, I don't like messaging is just messaging. I don't see what the big deal is. Like, I don't like, I just might just say like, hi, how are you? Uh, just make some small talk and like I don't care if I make some spelling mistakes and stuff like that but maybe for the woman they don't like that I don't know um, let me stop you, you, you right there Gavin let me stop you right there do not start a message hi and leave it alone and expect to get a response right. what I say, is hi, how are you I'm telling like you no 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 you can't just say hi and leave it blank hi what what does that mean? I am not going to respond. I don't have that to me says that you are inarticulate. You cannot, you, you, you have what? You need to present yourself to me. I'm using words to judge you. Hi, what does that mean? No, 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 no. Tell no, me. No, I just, I just say like, hi, how are you? And then they will like reply, no, oh, no, good. No, 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 no. Um, Try to find I, I can... another person. Hello, so-and-so. I feel very passionate about this, you see, because I have just blanked so many people with this. Hi. Hey. Hi. What the hell? Come yeah, on. Yeah, but to me, it's stupid if girls do that because you. if it's someone you. sends you a message and they say hi, what you should yeah. do is go to the person's profile, look at their pictures. And if you don't like the person, okay, fine. You don't have to write back. But if you like to look at the person and you like their profile, you should reply like even yeah. if you don't like the message. I don't agree. You are presenting yourself. It's like you are setting out for an interview and it's not an interview, but you're introducing yourself. And personally, if I'm standing in front of you, you would make an effort to be pleasant. High on a paper by itself, you have not even taken the effort to find out my name, which I, cause I always do. When somebody says hello to me, I find their name even if it is not the real name, but that's what they've presented. And I say, hello, so-and-so. And if they say, how are you? I will respond. But all I'm saying is that that is what is first impressions count. And if you can only say hi, then hi what? What am I going to say? Hi back to you and that's it. We, a con that's a conversation death right there. But... Uh, I, don't get me wrong and I'm 
I understand the point. Trying but... to help you. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to be helpful as a female, um, helping yeah. you to understand us. That's yeah. all. It and makes I sense, I guess. But from a male perspective, it doesn't make sense. Maybe it, it's because men and women have entirely different dating experiences. So, yeah. so for a lot of women their biggest job is not to message someone it's to deal with their inbox being filled and their yeah. inbox is being filled by so when you say hi or hi how are you if you think about yeah. that what have you really done you just what do you mean what have you done i suppose they so, think then that you've probably messaged like hundreds of other girls so they don't think you're serious maybe Basically, what you're doing is you're putting your bait out and you're yeah. seeing who's reacting. So what you've shown them is I don't care enough about you to, to write any um, uh, message. I'm, I, I'm waiting for you to start off the message. Yeah. So, because they have to, because what you've done is you've passed the bark so that they yeah. have to put the effort in. And a woman that's busy um, and has lots, of, you know, possibly when you're looking at demographics, you probably may have kids. Um, so she may have a busy life. She's probably working. Um, then she's got hundreds of men. And what you're looking for is more investment than she's going to give you. And it's not the because what you're thinking, your view, and I understand your view, your view is like, okay, well, if she's interested, she'll look, but she won't because she's got 100 other men like you sending the same messages. How do you filter for that? So that's that's why messaging is the key. I, I can see where Gavin's coming from because I mean, as a, as a guy, um, I, you know, I, I you got to appreciate Gavin when you're out in a pub in wherever the women the women in the pub or wherever they are they're getting hit on all night by guys. And how many times as a guy, because I'm the same, how many times you get hit on in a night when you go out? Never, it never happens, does it? But for a woman. It can happen 10 times a night. But yeah. a, a good friend said to me, a, an old lady on a meetup group, actually, she said, my daughter would love you. She'd been better treated by her husband and all this business. She's trying to set me up with her daughter. Uh, and then she saw me on a few more meetups and she said, you're such a nice guy. And she said, the trouble with you, and it's the same with you, Gavin, you're chasing. And what you need to do is sit back, relax, because what's it like trying to chase a butterfly? You never catch it, but the butterfly will come to you. Let them come to you. You know, yeah. it's not about selling yourself too hard. But I agree with Rob. You know, it's it's great if you're a good-looking guy, six foot six. The women are they're chasing you all the time. But for people like us, you're not six yeah. foot six. You're not you're not like no. Tom Cruise. Yeah, you know, and it's it's, it's difficult. But yeah. let, let them come to you, and they will, because you sound like a really decent bloke. To be honest with you, they'll come to you, mate. Yeah. But, but the thing is, the thing is that they're not going to find you because. Yeah. If, if it's an attractive woman, she, her, like, okay, so um, Estella and Sandra, what's your experience like on dating? Like, how much searching do you do as opposed to, oh, and Alicia, I'm not sure if you, and Betty, you can see your camera on, but um, what's your experience like um, on dating sites? My personal experience is that now I just go for the guys who like me first. And the only reason why I do that is because I feel like with men, 
I personally believe with men, sorry, one sec, it's important for them to, I want to say initiate, but that's the only reason because I feel like a man has to decide that he sees something about you that he likes. Because for me, in my experience, I'm happy to sort of, if I see something, I get talking to a guy and I see something about his character that I like, I can quite easily sort of, you know, fit in where he's sort of at because I'm not really too particular on what he looks like or what he does for a living. It's more about who he is as a person. And I feel like sometimes, and this is just what I found, is when a, a girl is very forthcoming, it can put some guys off. And also there is a lazy element as well because I'm not even trying to my own horn, I do just think it's a male thing. They do like a lot of women. So my inbox, as you said, Rob, is full. And I have a job of, you know, going through all the messages and it's just easier as well, just to go for the guys who you know already see something about you that they like. So if someone says to you like, just hey, or how are you? You might not even bother clicking on their profile. You have, you have a lot that you can pick up from a person's profile, even if they don't write a lot looking at their pictures, like picking up something and you can start a conversation with that. That what will create or attract a woman, like you paid attention to something and you picked on that to start a conversation with them. Just a hi, how are you? is just very random. It won't really be captivating to continue a conversation because mm -hmm. it's probably going to manifest like, okay, we are going to get short an answers from this or mm -hmm. not a very interesting conversation. So okay. even I, because I haven't used app, uh, apps that the guy actually comes to me, I have to initiate. And even when they don't write a lot, I always speak on the details and I try to find as much as I want or that I'm looking for from that person. And then I write to them using those things. A hi, how are you? Won't really set me off for a good start with them. I don't think that a guy would be very interested. And I don't want a guy just to be interested as for me like for my looks only because that's nothing yeah I definitely feel like hi how are you is pretty generic and um I yeah I I wouldn't be enthralled if a guy just I mean obviously guys have but I just think if you see something you like about what you see you've gone to the trouble of messaging in the first place there should be something maybe a little bit more that you've had like my name like Sandra said like even just my name yeah like, hi, Alicia, how are you? I can tell by your pictures that you like exploring, you like hiking or whatever. I do like that. What was the last place you visited? Something, you can always speak on something and just start a conversation that is more interesting than it just I, how are you? It's not very personal. Message. If I got a message like that, I'd be like, oh my God. I'm quite, I, I mean, hi, how are you is a no, but even, I'm not too, because I understand that with guys, sometimes it can be a bit, you know, guys aren't always great with communicating. Like mm -hmm. I do understand that sometimes guys feel on the back foot, especially when it comes to messages. With guys, it's better to meet them in person because they, it's just the nature of a man, what I've found. Um, but if a guy said that, I'd You'd be, be scared. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got, um, if I open my inbox and I see six messages, for example, and I see three with hi, delete, end up. 
And I'm sorry, because I'm busy. I've got lots of things to do. So those three out, I don't even bother. Hi, come. Now, when I get a message, for example, I've got um, a, 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 a pal in India and his opening line to me was he, um, he's a businessman and English, his English is not very good. And so, you know, and he would really like to talk to somebody who's, who's whose first language is English. So we had a, a thing to start off with and we still communicate. It's, we're, we're just friends uh, uh, online. There's nothing, in, no, 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 no hint of any romance or anything, but we've developed this kind of friendship where if he has something and he writes it, he, he'll say, does this, is this right? And I will, but all I'm say, using that as an example to say is that he gave me a hook to respond to, to start a conversation and feel comfortable, right? But hi, if you have to filter out people, and Gavin, that's what I'm, why I'm saying, if you make a little bit of an effort and it seems personal to the person, it will connect, you know, um, and so they will respond to you. But hi, from a half a dozen or a dozen men in two dozen messages, they are going to be put to the pile because the ones who add a little bit more effort, just your name, how are you today? I am so-and-so, um, blah, blah. Just a little bit of something, we will respond. But if I doesn't give us anything to respond to. Yeah. But I always thought like, you know, you just want to, I don't know, I can understand the point, but for me, it's like, do you have to like always put in so much effort in a relationship? Like, I thought, why can't you just be yourself and to be accepted for yourself? You, you, you can, but you, um, what, what you have to, you have to be yourself, but sort of the best that you can be. The best, the only impression someone's going to get of you online. So, um, like John was saying, it is difficult for men, but the way that you level up is from your profile and from your messages because yeah. so, you, like, have, so, so you always have to like try and impress women it's not impress no, no no it's not impress but it's it's the way that you message is that you get commonalities because commonalities lead to conversations and when you have com when you have good com conversation that's how that leads to connection and then that's what can you're not always going to develop the relationship because you, you shouldn't always like it depends on whether it's going to work but the way that you initiate is you stand out by giving them the best conversation yeah um, and it's not that you impress them it's not like you have to pretend like you can do these tricks and techniques but they won't work because sooner or later you get um it's it's based on lies um, yeah because that's the thing like because Sometimes you can get into a relationship and you're trying to like maybe impress the woman or show her that you're so you're very good at communication, you're good at this and that. But later on, they're gonna find out like, okay, you're kind of just you're not. This isn't the real you, like you know. Yeah. So, so that's so why I think you should just be yourself. Like you, know? you should. Um, but if. What, what you need to do is, for example, like Sandra was talking about, the, the message from the man, she had a context because she, um, he said that um, 
he wasn't very good at English, and so she was forgiving of um, of those things. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the, the girls, if someone was to say, look, I, I'm really not um, that good a communicator, but I'm interested and I'm, I'm making an effort, how would that be? That's fine. You've given, you've given us something to start to start a conversation because the first thing you would be you would feel some sympathy for the person and you'd say ah he's being very honest and you're starting on an honest footing so um you you know you you would you would not want to, to you would be sympathetic so you'd be very kind to that person what 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 a woman's really looking for and tell me if i'm wrong is someone who's interested in them, someone who's willing to put in some effort. Um, and you don't have to, you, it doesn't have to be dazzling and it doesn't have to be Shakespearean. It just has to show an interest. It has to show some effort. Yeah. And the like they, want, they don't want it to just come easy, like for the man. They want to... <laughs> it, 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 what you're look, you, okay, so men do this and, and you're looking from your perspective. But what you have to understand is men want to treat women like men and women want to treat men like women. Mm -hmm. And it's two completely different versions because it's com yeah. two completely different experiences. And the, the men and women are looking for different things from relationships. And um, you have to understand, it's understanding what they're looking for what they need not necessarily what they're looking for but what they need what they need like a, typically a woman needs to feel safe secure loved nurtured and a man is more not that he doesn't need to feel that but he's more looking for re feeling respected and significant and important to them um yeah. and so what you have to understand is like Okay, so when you say like communication is difficult, is communication difficult because you don't understand what they look, what they want for, or because it's you don't want to make the effort to do it? Um, or you mean about the messaging on dating sites and in a relationship? Because what a woman wants is to know that you're willing to put the effort. Because if you're not willing to put the effort into a message, this is what a woman's going to say. If he's not willing to put the effort in a message, he's not going to make an effort in a relationship. He's not going to make an effort in bed. He's, he's not going to be someone we can sustain a relationship with. He's going to want me to cook for him. He's going to want to take his pleasure and not worry about mine. He's yeah. going to um, not care about me. So the to message... Be honest, um, I think you were right. Uh, sorry, you were saying? The message... So um... The message is an indicator of what a relationship is going to be like with you. Okay. But uh, you see, you're right when you said, like, at the, if I'm on the dating site, I just cast a wide net and, like, you know, like you're fishing, you just throw out and you just say, hey, how are you to everyone? And you just see who's going to write back. And if they don't write back, then it's no big deal. Like, But that's why they don't write back. That's why they don't write back. <laughs> because what, 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 what it feels like, is all I want is a woman. I don't care what, who she is. I just just shut up and yeah. do what I want. Yeah. Whichever responds first. It's yeah. like a fish that um, lets um, 
at spawning time puts out millions of eggs, hundreds of thousands of eggs, and hopefully one or two will live. You're throwing out your highs and hellos across a wide network of women and hoping that one or two will take the bait. And all, but, but what I'm saying to you, and you have to forgive me. I am a lot older than you are, so I am more particular. Think of the discussion that we've had this evening where we are at the stage where we are not going to spend a lot of time just hoping and waiting. We know what we want and time is getting short. So we are moving fast through this thing. So therefore you would not qualify with a high. That's the point. Um, <laughs> so if you if you put a little bit more effort in, in terms of your greeting. And I don't care if you cut and paste the, the new greeting um, and just change the name in, and send them out. But I think you will have a better response because it would say to me, I can't, apart from your pictures, which I don't know if they're really you, but we will say that they're you. So that is not going to be like a personal um, greeting in person where two people see and I say oh oh god he is so gorgeous but god he's inarticulate but he's cute I don't mind being seen out with him because he's just so fine okay yeah. now we don't know any of that we don't know what you sound like we don't know if you've got the highest pitched voice or a very low baritone so the only thing that we can C of you is what you write on the paper. So it has got to be something that gives us something to hold on to. Oh, yeah. I heard like men are more, they're more <laughs> like um, uh, visual maybe. Yeah, I heard men are more visual. So men can look at the women's photo and kind of tell a bit about the women just by their photos. But that photo may not be her either. So be careful. <laughs> I want that superpower. I want to look at a man and see all his potential. Seriously, <laughs> I want that. Think of it this way, Ryan. Uh, yeah, Gavin. Sorry. Um, if, if you if you write a hundred messages saying hi, hi, uh, hi, hi, how are you, and you send a hundred messages out tonight, say after you've been on here, on yeah. plenty of fish or something. You're going to get probably 20 will reply. 80 won't even give a toss. They'll just delete yeah. it like Sandra. The, 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 other, the other 20 will, will reply. And out of those 20, you might meet, I don't know, seven or eight. You might meet them. It's going to cost you 50 quid in drinks because they're not asked. If they're going to reply to, hi, how are you? They're not a serious life partner, are they? But if you took the time, just one night, to write how you feel, put it in notepad, and there's no harm in copying and pasting it because it's you're not telling lies, are you? You're not telling lies to them. You just you don't have to sit and write it every night. You just copy and paste it, send it out to a hundred, and out of the dates you get from it, one one of them will probably be a, a serious contender. Or you know, you'll have a good crack at it, you know. It's worth a try, isn't it? It's good advice, yeah. Yeah. It's just because I'm 20 years older than you and I've been there, mate. I've been there. Yeah. The, the, the thing is that the, it's more effort, but not many men are putting it in. Yeah. Um, and so if you if you're the one, um, like, so I mean, I started dating, it had no response, and um, you're like far from the, you know the best looking man. 
Um, but because I could message, um, I could, um, I always was always able to find people on, on dating sites. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. It, it, being able to message, there are some women that are just going to look on looks and they're going to, um, you know, like that's the criteria they're going to go for. But then there's a lot that um, are less interested in looks and it's just about the person. Yeah. I and found the gentleman um, on a site, um, just, just, just the usual, just scrolling through. And he took the time to put a series of photographs together and they were fantastic. And I had to say something. They, and um, one in particular was a black and white photograph and it was of him and a tree and just the background. And it was so artistic, it was beautiful. And it wasn't, and I, I had to write something in response to it because it was just a lovely photograph. And I, you know, you think, oh, if that person has that kind of sensitivity and could come with, and put this portfolio together, they must be interesting. They must have an interest. They must be, in, you know, to have an interesting conversation with that person. Not looking for that he's necessarily going to be a boyfriend. He could be a you know a philander or whatever. Don't know any of that, but would want to start a conversation with him because of what he's put forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give it another try anyway. I'll maybe update my profile and stuff. And um, um. What do you guys think about, you know, before they used to have any dating sites, people used to have to talk to the women in real life. Like maybe you meet a woman and you have to talk to her and ask her if she want to go for coffee. Like people don't really do that anymore. And um, do you think people should still do that? If, if people aren't doing it, um, as long as it's, you know, we had this last was it last week or the week before as long as it doesn't make someone feel uncomfortable then yeah um it makes you stand out yeah okay i think as long as you're doing it um in a way that's not creepy that's not yeah. um that, that comes across as genuine and sort of above board i i but obviously it's, it's going to be the, the ladies that are Going to be able to answer you better yeah i feel like it's good i mean it depends i believe that it depends on a the type of man and what he wants for himself because i mean men are pretty visual so they probably want to get a good look at you in real life as soon as possible anyway to know what you're really about especially with like the energy but there are some men who are on dating sites who just want to message a girl and that is literally all they want to do because, you know, some men are still technically in a relationship and they just want a bit of attention, not being obviously critical towards them, but that's something that can occur. If a guy is serious about, well, not just relationship, but serious about really meeting a woman, um, he probably is more likely to want to see you in person. And I personally feel fine with that. I mean, I like a phone call myself before the first meeting because... I feel a little bit more secure being a woman. You don't always want to meet a man you don't know straight away, but I have nothing wrong with, you know, a meeting in person. 
Neither. It's fine. As long as, as Rob says, it's not, you don't come across as being creepy. And oh. men, men can do strange things, so you really need to think about it. You know, I've had a young gentleman who, well, this is just a story. This is just to, to have, so you can have a laugh at my expense. <laughs> <laughs> In my young days, when I was young, single and hot, Young gentleman came for an interview at my office and I was the one escorting him into the interview room. So he looks at me and he says to me, at that time I was not married, he says to me, um, so my dear, are you going to make a cup of coffee for me? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, I signaled for him to go through the door. And then I sat at the head of the table and I said to him, well, we are about to start this interview because he was going to be an officer in my department. You see, he didn't know all of this. He had not done his homework. And so he just sat there and he looked because as far as he is concerned, he was going to bag this chick. And so I said to him, well, you start this interview. I see on your resume, etc. This is your name, so and so and so and so and so. And he said, he just kind of just slid down into the chair like this. He was going down into the chair like this and said, Oh, well, I'm not ready to get this job, am I? I said, well, let's see. <laughs> Did he get oh, the of course not. <laughs> come, on, come, on, come, on, come on, no way. No, 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 no. But um, I say that to say that there are some people who are willing to try their luck, regardless of <laughs> the situation, and more power to them. But at the same time, make the effort to do your homework and, and, and do your background checks and make the efforts to find out what a person likes, what they, um, they are comfortable with, and so you don't make any uh, mistakes. That is, Gavin, that's all I'm saying to you with respect to the, the coffee thing. Just don't be creepy. Don't say anything odd. And you will find that there are a couple of girls who will go for coffee with you. Mm. Yeah. We're, not that, we're not that bad. <laughs> Women are, can be... A bit complicated, maybe. The, the thing is not to... Um, I think... Um, yeah, what, sorry, what were you saying? The, I think the thing is, it seems complicated, but be curious. Be looking to understand. Just be nice. Just be yeah. natural. Um, yeah. And that gets you so much further. Um, and th there is a certain amount of numbers because it's just the fact of people won't see you necessarily as the the um, person that's going to make them happy. And it's got nothing to do with you. It might just, you might just remind them of an ex. Something yeah. that you're wearing might trigger something and make them feel, um, they'll make a snap judgment. It doesn't matter, just let that go. But um, it definitely seems like you can't just, like back to the thing about like just, you can be yourself, but you need to put in some effort, it seems. Yes. Like you can't just be like, Kind of lazy, like oh, I'm just myself. I'm not going to put yeah. in an effort because it, it comes off unattractive. Like so, you need to yeah. kind of present yourself a certain way and Gavin, when, when, just when, 
when you go for a job interview, you do some homework, don't you? Yeah. Well. Don't just rock up and just like blag it, yeah. do you? And, and, and that, because if you do that, generally, you aren't going to get the job. You might occasionally yeah. get a job, but it's True. probably not the sort of job you're going to want to get if you get it. Yeah. It's the same thing. And it's, it's still you, you know, it's still you being yourself. Yeah. If you make an effort and you do some homework and you put on a nice suit and tie and stuff, you know, yeah. and, and sort of do a bit of rehearsal, but it's it's just the best version of you you can be in order to try and get that job. And it's kind of the same thing, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean if, it, if it seems like being yourself is kind of making no effort, nobody's going to want, like, to be on a Friday night where you're in your tracksuit, um, you know, slobbing out in, in, on the sofa and not making any effort. They, they want someone who's got some life in them, someone who's interested in them, um, someone that they can see something going on with. Yeah. If you, if you can't make an effort at the beginning, then it's only downhill from there. And that's, mm. that's what we think. It's yeah. going to be downhill from there. So mm. therefore you are starting at z ground zero and you're only going into the tunnel. I mean, you're going underground after that because yeah. you get comfortable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's downhill. So you get comfortable, which means that you're peeling off all the layers and just being probably comatose even. Mm -hmm. So that means that the female is going to do the planning for anything that's happening, going to keep you alive, basically, <laughs> you know, which is, that's not what we want. We don't but, want, we don't I think, do projects. I think you can find, you can find a woman though, I think, that, that it won't, what you do won't feel like an effort. Because if you find someone who's actually a good match for you, you won't mm -hmm. feel as if you're putting in the effort. So I think that's what you mean. I mean, I mean, a friend, a, 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 a good friend of mine, a, a woman, basically said when I when I broke up with my ex, she said you probably don't want to be with someone where you have to put in that much effort. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. You don't. That isn't going to work, is it? Because it's not sustainable to keep putting in that high level of effort. If no, you meet someone who's a good match, you know, they'll laugh at your jokes because they'll actually find you funny. Basically, yeah. so you know, that's so there's no effort. But in the beginning, you just need it, like you know. Well, the effort is is to find that out. Yeah, you need to put the effort in at the beginning. Yeah. But in order to give yourself the choice, as Rob says, you know, you need to. But Our yeah. relationship should not seem like it's hard work. That's that's the point. If there is work, and you have to maintain it. But if it seems like it is an onerous task, then that is not a healthy situation to be in. Early. Yeah. I think you could make a good start, Gavin, with with um, body language. If you if you study courtship signals for females, mm -hmm. and that that's it's like as Pete Pete at the nail on the head, really. It's about finding someone uh, that likes you. And if if you're if you're in a bar or in a restaurant, it could be a sandwich shop. And if you can read the courtship signals of the female, you already know she likes you before you even ask. And there's a very <laughs> chance that when you go and ask, do you, do you fancy coming for a coffee? The courtship signals that you've read, like if you look at her and she starts twizzling her hair and things like that, she starts oh. touching her. You you know she likes you before you even approach her. So there's a good chance that she's going to say yeah, or at least I'll think about it. So you oh. study courtship signals and it'll boost your confidence because it sounds like you're quite low on confidence and it'll really boost you to get yeah. a positive reaction back. Because I never heard about the um, 
Quite a signal, so. Oh, yeah, it's massive. Yeah. Massive. That's why I like to uh, talk about this and learn about it. Yeah. Like I said, like, maybe it's good to learn about these things so I can uh, improve my dating confidence. If you if you look at a girl in a bar or, or a pub or whatever, the first thing she'll do is this. She'll turn away from you. And yeah. then she'll look at you again across the bar and then she'll turn away again. And she'll do it about three times. But it's it, it's a game. It's a game. And you know, and then she'll start with her. If she doesn't, then you know she doesn't, she's not really into you. And it's not even worth approaching her. But if she does start to do those courtship signals, flicking yeah. flicking the her and preening. When you're engaging eye contact, you, you, there's a good chance she's gonna, you know, accept your invitation for a coffee, and it'll really boost your confidence. That's what it's about: getting your confidence up to go yeah. out. That's what it's and about. I, I Alicia, Alicia, help, 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 Estella, help, 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 help. I'm not quite. I was, I was not, I was not aware about those courtship signals. To be honest, yeah. yeah. I think it's like you know when a girl like laughs at a guy's jokes, even though they're not funny. That's like a yeah. courtship. That's courtship, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 flirting. But I mean, um, yeah, but that, but the, this I don't know. Flirting, I think, is what. It's yeah. kind of... Looking around and looking off. If I see somebody that I like, I'm going to look at him. Hell, I'm not going to be looking off. I'm looking. It's not, it's not my character. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's flirting. Yeah, but that's flirting, isn't it? Yeah. If you if you think about twisting her and touching, if a girl starts touching, it's basically the same in her mind, subconsciously, as being in front of the mirror, combing. Like this and and the reason they want to comb it's because they want to look pretty for the guy. Yeah, so. it does. It does vary though. I would say yeah. this. Nah. Um, I, the, the, so you, 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 I think the best thing to do is just this. What what you know, make eye contact's always good. Basically, you, you yeah. can, a lot, a lot I think it's more eye. to do with the eye contact than to. I yeah. touch my hair a lot, and it's because it just comes all over my face most times. It's not because I'm interested in a guy, and I don't think this is very attractive to be doing. Like well, <laughs> anyway. Well, supposedly yeah. there's something there's something which which, if, which if, if a girl flicks her hair or something, it means that she's exposing her neck, which is a vulnerable part. Oh yeah, and yeah. a lot of women who play with their hair when they're nervous, and if you you know, and that's not necessarily a good thing. So it, it can go either way, really. Like yeah, women, are, I don't think you could write a recipe for a woman, basically. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, I'm up. starting to think that I probably send a lot of wrong signals without knowing them <laughs> because I don't know. You could have had the perfect guy walk past. If, if you played the cards right, you could have had the perfect yeah. guy by now. <laughs> there are a lot of them. I've, I mean, I know what you mean because there are a lot of women who do it, and and I think. I mean, if you look at couples, like not in a creepy way, basically, yeah, but but you know, there are certain there are sort of unsaid signals between them, and that's you know, and, and obviously when you're meeting a girl for the first time, that that's a very basic thing, basically. But there, there are things you can tell. Really. There are yeah. lots of signals. Don't necessarily don't don't think that they just fit into a book. Well, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's the beauty about studying. You got to study it. You got to study it. Well, you, you can't just read it for five minutes and then go out and try and hit on Pam or Anderson. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because she could be a psychologist and she'll be doing it to mess with your head as well, man. So you never know. Yeah. So, yeah. That wouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> so, Be careful. 
Be yeah. careful. You've got to be careful. Okay, those signals <laughs> can turn you silly. The word uh, is study, study. <laughs> I don't even know. from that close, basically. I'm like, do I touch my hair? <laughs> we are all thinking the same thing. No, like, it's not touching. Yeah. It's twizzling, twizzling. You well, start. Uh, you notice. You notice. If I you used to do this when I was in oh. primary. I'm no, trying. Well done, Rob. That's the skill. <laughs> that's it. That's a courtship signal right there, Rob. Yeah. Uh, so for the for the um, woman, the, the woman. Um, Can I ask though, what do people genuinely feel about the man initiating or the woman initiating? It's usually the man that initiates the stuff, isn't it? But what do you what what do you have a preference or what do you think? No. And this is for the men and the women as well. I quite like a woman who initiates, to be fair. That's because I'm really shy, basically. And, and, and I'm with yeah. you, Alicia. In terms of when I'm on the dating app now, I only go for, I only try and talk to women who have already liked me. Because mm. I, just, I just find the other way, there's just too much pain, basically. Because like, I will, and, and I am doing the hello and reading their profiles and stuff, and I'm still getting jack shit. Back, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they're robots or they're bloody, you know, scammers or what's like. I'm you have to message enough. I'm not the best looking fella, in, so the so women are going to always message the good looking fellas because they have. Um, no, Gavin, that's not that true. That is not necessary. No, that's, that's not, not true. true. That's not true. If I see a photograph of a too handsome man, I think, huh, hacked photograph, Google <laughs> image. Let's see. No, listen, I am a detective, okay? This is <laughs> to be true. What is this model? Some Google image that has been stolen 50% of the time, I'm correct. <laughs> so therefore, with that track record, I am very skeptical. I, as my son said to me, mommy, I do not want a beautiful girl. And he has, he's made sure that he doesn't get the <laughs> beautiful girls no 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 he's and i do not want a too handsome man i i agree i've been there i've been there and done that i know it's it's all worked out <laughs> i agree Sandra. i do not want a too handsome man i know people are like, oh so many guys are like oh yeah whatever you want the six foot four but you don't yeah. want them men because all the women want them and they know it and it's just an absolute headache you just want a man who's going to be himself who wants to be there and is happy to spend time with you. That's genuinely it. Yeah. My yeah. father was six foot tall, so I, of course I wanted. And my mother was unfortunately um, five foot, so you know what happened to me. Okay. <laughs> All right, so therefore <laughs> I wanted a gentleman <laughs> who's like my father, tall, okay. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that I, well, first engagement, I've been engaged twice, okay? Um, first engagement, five foot six, all right? <laughs> I don't think that matters. I don't think that height matters at all. You'd be surprised. Every guy I dated, it, it had nothing to do with their looks. It was to do with their talk, with their conversation. Mm. Some of them, <laughs> when I looked at, and it was something that was there that meant something about their personality, says something about their personality that kind of engaged me to talk to them. Yeah. Um, because most times I thought like, if I crossed paths with this guy on the street, I probably wouldn't look back twice. So mm. I don't think that's important. 
No, but that's the point. You you grow up with this image in your head of what you yeah, yeah. and your preferences. And yes, then in real life, in real life, it turns out because I mean, my ex-fiance was he could dance like crazy. Okay. So it was the best, he was the best party guy, and everybody wanted to dance with him. So I had him. And that was <laughs> okay, but nah, nah. He wanted to live in America, so I said, no, 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 I'm going back to Jamaica, no, no. But that's the point, okay? So the image of the tall, handsome fellow, yeah. whatever, whatever, it's in your head, it's in the movies, but compatibility with somebody else, with another person and their personality, that's but what I mean. On a dating site platform, the good-looking fellow will always get the replies and stuff like that. And, uh, no. Like, no, I don't agree with that. It's yeah. true. It's true. That it's true. Yeah, true. Yeah. They will get the replies. They'll get the replies, but they won't. The women, I don't know, because I know women are all the same, but women are all different at the same time. Like there's certain women who will just go for the looks, and that's just the way it is. Like some girls just want an action man, but yeah. then it depends if you want the type of woman who only want you for your looks. Because personally. Even though looks, I feel like attraction is different from looks. And, you know, you have to be willing to get rejected as we all do. But do you want to be with a woman who only wants to go with a guy for superficial reasons, Gavin? Like, mm. yeah. But Gavin, that comes back to what else you bring to the table apart from looks. It's your total presentation. And if you're saying, all right, I'm not the best looking guy, but I have got these other attributes like your writing skills, um, your presentation, um, women like men who take care of, in, you know, in terms of their appearance, hair, face, clean, whatever. It, uh, if you take care of your appearance and you present yourself well, just as Pete said, going to a job interview, you scrub up well, we will like you, we will like you. Yeah. You can be handsome and be a slob, and we won't like you. Mm. Every, every bloke's in that boat, boat, Gavin. Everybody says the same. I'm sure Pete and Rob will agree. We all think we're not the best-looking bloke. Because you're right, there are, there are dickheads on these websites with the yeah. tops off and the muscles showing. Dickheads. Yeah. And they get that is not attractive, anyway. That is not attractive, though. They, still get the, they get all the likes and the messages, I think. Yeah. But well, maybe if they're... How do you know that they're you know that they're getting all the likes and messages? Because I scrolled Cause all of them. I've seen because it before. How do you know? Because I've seen so, it before. Like you, You're putting yourself down. You mustn't mm. put yourself down. Don't compare yourself with others. Just make sure that you present the best of you that you can, because that's what we are judging you on. He doesn't believe me. <laughs> but then at the same time, like, I guess that's just life, though. Like, if you are going to play the comparison game, then you're always going to find somebody who you perceive to be better than you, whether it's sports, intelligence, anything. Like, there's nothing you can do about how somebody else is. You can only control yourself. So, like, yeah, fair enough. They may be getting more likes than you, but it only takes one person to connect with to make a relationship. You just need one good egg, and that's it. So yeah. it doesn't matter. 
it's like and i keep using my job interview analogy but it's the same thing isn't it if you when you go into that job interview you have to be the best you can be like you can't be thinking about who the other people are and i know so and so is going for it and he's got a degree or he's got this experience or you know you can't be thinking like that basically you just got to give the best account of yourself and that that's that's all you can do you have to be like passionate about it like well, you have to, sh- yeah, you have to put effort in, yeah. You have to, you yeah. know, you have, like, like as, Rob, as, Rob, as Rob has said many times, you, you have to you have to try and create connection. And you create yeah. connection, you know, by, I don't know, telling jokes or interesting stories or, I don't know, you know, however you can create, like by listening to, to what the, the, the woman's saying. And, and, that, and I mean, actually actively listening, not just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and then talking about yourself. That ain't going to go down well. You know, you actually listen to what they're saying and then you respond to it. And that's, you know, that's... Well, yeah, maybe it's because I was hurt in a previous relationship. I was in a relationship before and I put in effort and even if the girl texts me, I'd say, oh, what was I going to say in response to this message? But um, it still didn't work out in the end, even after I put in all the effort. So maybe that's why I don't agree with it anymore. Because it happens to all of us. That happens to all of us. You're giving up too soon. There's, oh, oh, there, there are millions of women out there, and there are, there are, what people say, um, I'll find the one, but there's not just one. There are thousands out there that are compatible with you. Thousands of them. So don't put yourself down. You sound like a really nice bloke that's very low on confidence. So you just got to pick yourself up, sort yourself out. That you, you let them come to you, mate. They will. There's not just one, there's thousands out there for you. Thousands. The, the thing about um, the effort, Gavin, is what's the alternative? Because like, you know, like, like if you're putting an effort for replying to text, what's the alternative? What are you going to do with that time? Yeah, so it's okay to take some time out to think about what you're going to say back. Yeah, there, there, there's think- no... There's no rules, just, just what, what you want to be. They might want you to text back kind of faster, maybe, like, I think so. Uh, um, there's, there's no guarantees that it's going to work with any one person. Um, but if this is how you are, then, and this is what you, the, the way that you, you like what you do, then over time, that output's going to um, have an, um, it's going to lead to the result. Because if you if you do the behaviours that lead to a lasting relationship, then it's just a matter of coinciding with the right person, and it's not necessarily the like John said, not necessarily the right one, but whoever is along the same kind of threshold. Um, like if you think of all the there's all the people there's the people that you would get along with that you would like they would like you. Um, it's just ha- interacting with enough people for that to happen. The other thing men do is men all day, whatever their age, they all go for the 22-year-old blonde supermodel. So it's it's about picking the right kind of person as well. You've got to pick someone who's relatively your age range, um, who's, you, there are kind of, like people that we're in the same ballpark with. 
It's definitely best to send 10 quality texts a week than 100 eyes, I think. Yeah. You'll definitely get a more meaningful return if you if you prioritize quality over quantity. It kind of reminds me, have you guys heard of the uh, Bowerbird? There's a Bowerbird, and to attract women, he, he builds like kind of a colorful nest from all different flowers, and he like just kind of um, show the woman like to impress her or to show her that he's attracted her and he's good at art and talent. So maybe it's an, an, a natural thing, like, you know. It, it is, if you look at the cockerel and everything, in mm. most things, it, it's the male animal that goes through all the effort. Yeah. Like the mating yeah. dance or whatever. The mating dance and stuff like that. So it's kind of like to do with the genetics, maybe. Like. And the yeah. Yes, be the, be the peacock. That's what we're talking about. Dress up a little bit, fix up, yes. Comb the hair, cut the hair, trim the beard. Why is all this talk about hair? <laughs> no, but you've got a sexy boy, so don't worry about it. You're fine. <laughs> I've made it. Well, it seems the women do that a lot as well, like because the women are the ones that dress up a lot, like with makeup and dresses and stuff. So, yes, the man who does the display to show that he's got what it takes to uh okay we have we have moved away from the the, the man with the club you know hitting the woman over the head and dragging her by the hair it was so much easier in those days you've now got to do a little bit more then, because remember, it's the fitness. It's it's the fittest, you know, that we want to um, have our, have our babies with. And part of of ass assessing your fitness is your presentation, and it's all of those attributes. <laughs> so you have to decorate the club. So he's got yeah, to decorate yeah. exactly. So you've got to scrub up. Just scrub up well. Clean fingernails, good haircut, clean face, good teeth. Mm. Yeah, but that shows self-love as well. If you take care of yourself, take care of yourself exactly. How long ago did you split, Gavin, from your partner? Oh, it's a long time ago, even. So a friend of mine at work said to me when I split from my wife, or when she, when she left, he said to me, um, "What you need to do is take time out and uh, learn who you are." And I thought, "What's he talking bollocks? This guy, he's talking shit." But he was right. I went away and I worked. He said, what do you want from a female? Never mind her. What do you want? And I thought about it for about a month. And then mm -hmm. I dug myself out of the hole. And I thought, well, I'd like this and I'd like that. And the, above all, she has to be loyal. I don't give a shit what she looks like. I don't care. Mm -hmm. She's got to be loyal. That's the first thing, because my ex-wife wasn't loyal. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they, they'll be there for you. You know, learn who you are. What do you want? Never mind trying to find Pamela Anderson in a bar, because it's probably not going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> but you will find someone who's um, suitable for you. Yeah. But you look at what, what do you want out of it? Think about it. I mean, it's, it's probably, um, for most men, it's, you, you probably have to date a while. A, a while date a yeah. bit it, it's mastering the dating skills because most men um don't really learn how to attract women 
And so they don't have enough opportunities. And so they don't really know what they want. And, you know, like you said, men are most visual. It is. Men are um, attracted to attractive women. Um, and that's, it's about, you have to know that you can have that if you want, but it's about um, n knowing that when you have that, like when you can attract the, the women, enough women, then it becomes about the qualities and who you want to be with. So I think like if I, if I was going to say um, for you, like the hero's journey is about learning dating skills and then let the relationship come because first of all, you've got to have the dating skills. Then you know a little bit more about who you want to attract. And then, you know, a little bit more about how, who you want to build the relationship with. So yeah, each stage there's problems. And so this is the hero's journey is to learn the dating skills. Next stage is to learn who you want to be with. And the next stage is um, how you build the relationship. So it's just like when you look at messaging, look at it not as an effort, but as learning a skill. And it's a skill that will pay off for the rest of your life. Because even when you're in a relationship, you still need to be able to message to um like change the dynamics, change the mood. Because um, yeah. um, dating doesn't stop just because you're in a relationship. Yeah, someone, yeah, I heard that before. What do you mean by that? Like, you, even you still, even in a relationship, you're still dating pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, because otherwise, all that's going to, if you're like, oh, we're in a relationship now, I don't have to bother. It's like it just becomes domestic drudgery. It becomes like, oh, made all this effort at the beginning now it's not interested in me um and i think particularly more for women it's men i think men in general are quite happy they'll settle just like this is it um women and can um correct me if i'm wrong but i think women need to feel more from a man they need to feel more interest more passion more um like excitement women yeah. want to be seen and heard yeah seen and heard yeah. and appreciated so, um, i have a friend and he says his girlfriend even his previous girlfriend always telling him he needs to lose weight he needs to do this and that to be more healthy so women mm. are like that they want you to do certain things like um well it, it can be genuine genuine concern for your health because yeah. obviously, um, you know, extra weight is is um, gives you more risk factors, particularly when you, you start hitting thirties, forties. Um, it's heart attack risk, and a woman doesn't want to suddenly like be left alone. Mm. Can be genuine care. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe I don't know. Well, he's not that heavy, like so. I don't know. I think it depends on how it's said. Uh, you, you see, it's easy to to say that they want to, to as as Rob is saying, but it depends on how it's 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 said. Because if it's genuine concern, then surely that is um, a very good thing. Because yeah. you know that is to help that person. But um, yeah. if it is but said as um, you know, you need to change all of these major things about you um, because. Yeah. 
it doesn't fit my image of my partner, my ID partner, then, yeah. you know, there are issues there. Yeah. And that, I mean, that can be either way, can't it, as well? I've known a lot of girls that have been in relationships where the man is constantly saying, you've got to lose weight, and that's just, don't want to be in a relationship like that. That's a bit of With someone's just undermining you all the time. Yeah. Because um, I, I really enjoyed this um, conversation. And um, it just reminded me of something. Uh, well, the first thing, uh, well, just what came to my head is um, I went to another woman's uh, dating talk and she said sometimes the women can demasculate the man. Uh, that like, you know, how can it, like, you know, could say put the man down because the man wants to um, help women. Like, you know, you see the man like for a damsel in distress, like, oh, yeah, let me change your tire for you and let me help you fix your car and stuff like that but the women might say oh no leave me alone I'll do it myself and stuff like that is kind of like uh, demasculating the man she was saying what do you think about that I wouldn't get I because... wouldn't get too hung up on it I mean that I mean yeah, generally if, you know what we were saying earlier obviously about this just, just listen to what the woman says I suppose if you're mate with her if you're chatting to her like some, yeah. I think some women still want to be the damsel in distress. Others are, are like more ones where they they don't want the man to give them anything. And there are quite a lot in the middle that I think sometimes they want they they're one and sometimes they're the other. And maybe they don't know themselves. So I think just just pay attention. I think is just the thing to say. Yeah. yeah. But don't, I don't think if you ask too... once, if you ask once, and you're told no, yeah. don't push. Don't push. <laughs> the difference where some men think that okay you're only saying no you don't really mean it therefore i need to push whatever it is that the thing is and that can be irritating because as you're saying okay some people play the damsel in distress yes and that's their ploy but some women genuinely just want you to either just be there just listen be understanding just be if i'm going on a rant because i am mad at something and i just want you to listen i don't want you to solve it and likewise the tire if i by the way if you offer to fix my tire i will gladly accept because i don't like fixing tires okay fine so but there are other things that i don't want you to mess with i tell you no then no thank you listen i just want you to listen so it depends but you need to be aware of the woman's response. I think you need to be in tune with the person. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any... There's no hard and fast. Yeah, there's, it's not as simple as that. I think she was saying like that um, sometimes women nowadays, because they, like, they have like professional jobs, some of them are in more like masculine energy because they have to be in a more masculine world. And sometimes men are more in the a feminine energy. I don't know, like it's kind of a complex topic. But yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think what, what's, there's a general move and there's a move from men are masculine, women are feminine to there are some men who are more feminine. There are some women that are more masculine. And uh, so I guess what she was saying was women should be more feminine. 
Yeah. Allow me. Like, um, but it's not like that. The whole feminism now is about like saying that we're all equal. But I think men and women are actually different. Like, you could say they're equal, but. And with the feminists, some of them say, like, we're all the same, like, men and women are the same, we think the same, we're the exact same. When it's not really true, like, because women and men, their brains work differently. We are not yeah. the same, but we are talking about equal rights. When equality hits, it's equal rights, not we're different. Mm. Women and men will always be different. It, it's not whether you can lift the same um, weight in, mm. in thing or do exactly the same thing. It's the, having the ability to um, have access to the very same things, uh, the same, as you say, the rights, um, the ability to, to marry, the ability to own property, the ability to think, whatever, um, those kinds of rights. Um, to choose and not to choose, it's, it's your choices, the, the, the choices that you can make. Um, and you're quite right, we're, we're, we're different, we see things differently, but it's also not being denigrated for your, your opinions. That's also, that's also part of that equality um, that we strive for. And so it's, um, not just the physical it's 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 a relationship how do you, the, you you respect each other and you show the same this show the levels of respect if one person doesn't respect the other um, then you're going to have a problem and in many respects for a woman it's her opinion if 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 it's not heard if it's not um respected you may not agree with it but it's how you respond to it and those things I think are deal breakers for many, many women. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes sense. There's, there's a lot of people talk about male and feminine energy, but like, and, and we should go, there should be roles and things like that, but you, you can't turn society back. Um, and yeah. so we're in a time of change. It is a time that's difficult for a lot of men because it's confusing and things have changed. Yeah. But, it's it's more um, like there's no set roles, and it's we then have to deal with the new reality of what it is. But it's it's not as simplistic as um, like masculine, and masculine, and feminine. You have to play roles. You have to be yourself. You have to be yourself, but better. And it's not like playing these um, games. Yeah. We're on a spectrum, so some are more, um, yeah, we, we, we crisscross and uh, again, we, we're not even having the conversation about other genders who are um, in, in between. And so if we accept that we have different um, likes and we express them in different ways, but at the same time, Women, I, I know, well, I've met men and I have some good friends who are men and they do the most traditional feminine tasks. They're yeah. very comfortable doing them and they are the most masculine of people. Yeah. They're, they're very masculine. There's no doubt about their masculinity. That's the point. But they, um, one, a, a couple of... Yeah. 
dear friends of mine. It's the man who does the nurturing, who is the who's the nurturing of the children in the in the relationship in the family. He is very good with his girls. He has three girls. He's very very good with them. He's the nurturer. People looking on would say, "Oh, he's she she's not maternal at all. He's you know, she." He's he's the nurturer. He's the mother. She's not, but it works fine. Mm. And that and that's a good description of balance, I think, isn't it? Exactly. Between exactly. two people. So even if you don't fit, like you know, the traditional roles, then as long as they it works together, then it works. Yeah, that is true. I do believe that it's up to the two people to decide what the roles will, or I don't even want to say roles because I think you know like the sort of energetic play that you have in a relationship personally i prefer to be in the feminine i don't obviously don't believe that feminine is submissive i believe that femininity has its own strength but like <coughs> if i'm in a situation where i have to be for example you know more assertive or i have to be a bit more maybe quote unquote whatever masculine energy is i don't feel comfortable it's just not who i am really yeah. So I prefer it would I would prefer to be with a guy who is more masculine, just because I'm not really that masculine as a woman. Yeah, makes sense. I think it's one of the things that you that unfolds through the relationship, and you find a natural balance, and it either is or it isn't. Yeah, and there's one more question I'm wondering. Uh, um, like what? How do you? Um, what did I say? Like, how do you know if someone is compatible? Like, some people say opposites attract. Or should you find someone that is like very similar to you, or maybe someone? It doesn't have to be someone similar to you. It could be someone that's much different than you. Like, it doesn't really matter, is it? Uh, what do you guys think about that? Like, should your ideal partner be very like you, or could it be someone that's quite different than you? There's no right recipe, I don't think. It's you're compatible if you're both willing to make it work, I think. Yeah. And the way you communicate is very important, above all, I think, to avoid further issues. Yeah. Um, there's, there's all kinds of um, like eHarmony is based on the idea that they, they can match you up. Um, chemistry.com is, is based on that. Um, there is no science. There, there's no real, um, there are some information. It's, it's basically uh, people, I think the factor I read in psychology is that people of the biggest factor is people of similar intelligence levels. Um, but it's, it's. It, I, I don't think there's deep enough science that I think you just have to experience people. I think you have to just go on lots of dates um, and see where they go. Um, and first of all, it's developing the dating skills. Um, then when you, as you develop them, you'll develop more confidence and um, have more relationships and then know where the balance is um, and be more confident in bringing more of yourself out. And that's really the key. Yeah, makes sense. It's, it's, it's just a process. It's just... Um, you, you just know when you when you finally go on a date where you like the person and she likes you, then that would be a good start. But um, some dates you don't really 
the last time I went on a date, I didn't really like the person, to be honest. Like, I didn't really, I wasn't really interested in even um, getting to know the person for a second date. Like, I just wasn't interested in that. So that can happen sometimes. That's why you need to show your interest up front. So you work that out earlier, basically. Yeah. If you do your good messaging and you get on well, and then you go and like meet for a coffee or whatever, you know, after a, after a bit of messaging, then you'll already, or maybe a phone call first, you'll already know whether, you know, whether you're probably going to get on with them. Yeah, true. At least at the beginning. Still might not go anywhere, but... It's funny because I actually had a, a friend of mine, actually a, a female friend who's, who's on a dating site. She had a guy who was messaging her quite recently, actually, for about five weeks. And he was really quite, you know, he was very nice, like ringing her up, like, how are you? You know, very nice. And they basically, she, she finally decided she'd meet up for a coffee with her. And he basically completely switched. Basically, he was like, so he, he was like saying to her, like, you know, you need to buy the coffee. He like bought the first coffee or whatever. And he was like, right, you've got to go and buy the coffee now. Like telling her how to live her life and stuff, basically. Yeah. Completely switched on her. Went from being really nice and caring. And then as soon as they were in a room together, and it, as long as you're not like that, you'll be fine, yeah. basically. So yeah. try and be, <laughs> try and be, you know, to be, I think just be honest, I think is the thing. Yeah. And just accept that if you're honest, that certain people aren't going to like you. But when you do, meet someone that you like it's got a better chance of going somewhere i think yeah honestly yeah. Speaking, yeah. it's just for me it's an absolute you know I, I i wouldn't want anyone who lied to me if anyone yeah. who lies to me in messaging or you know that's a complete see you later basically there's no coming back from that everybody basically. gets knockbacks everybody we've all we've all been there you get knockback 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 that's that's the beauty of building it's confidence building that's what it is. You see, see the positive side of getting, no matter how many times you go and get knocked back, it'll boost your confidence. In, but by yeah. the end, you know, within six months of getting knocked back, you'll, you'll be used to it. Yeah. And then you'll, you'll, you'll find one of those several thousand people out there that are compatible. You will find them. You'll find one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just realise it's a long journey and just don't take it too seriously. Um, I would set like a time, set a time that you're going to devote to dating and um, just do that and then come off because all of those apps have gamification to try and keep you and you can end up spending hours. Like live your life, live, uh, do the things that interest you and that makes you more attractive. And then... Um, send like send some messages and just look on it is it's not a quick fix it's not something that's just going to happen it but if you do the practices over time they'll um eventually lead you it's just a matter of co like john says coinciding with the right person um so in terms of compatibility i've um uh got i've put a link in and they're the ingredients of really what makes a um relationship um, work and last um, but yeah just 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 keep on it's 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 not something that you do like in a week or a month it's yeah. you have to look at the relationship skills you're developing these are the behaviors you're going to do the habits you're going to do um, and you'll get there yeah 
will. Okay, um, we've gone even later. I think yeah, this is record breaking. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be like one a.m. soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I definitely need to get to bed. But um, yeah, thank thanks. you everyone for being here. And um, so next week we've got wide for dating. So uh, if you get a chance to read in the meantime, um, um, we'll be able to discuss that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. You're you're muted. Oh, sorry. Mr. Rob, yes. I'll have you to know that the dating book, price £10.22. You see, you're missing your calling. You should be writing these books. You could be making a mint. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've got two almost written, but I just not got around to doing anything with them. So, yeah. Um, Is it worth me buying this for £10.22? Will I really know how to date after I've finished with this book? I don't, I haven't read that one. I, to be honest, um, I've listened to Stan Hatkins' books, but I found him quite boring. Uh, I didn't really, his analogies didn't really work for me. He's, he's good. He's very good at what he does. Um, there's a TED Talk, Scott. Um, so I kind of like, it's attachment theory. I know it's nervous systems. Um, um, I'm I'm going to spend this week because um, I bought that one specially because I didn't have that. I'd had wide for relationships and one of these other ones. Um, but we'll we'll cover a review of it. I'm sure if you look, just look for the wide for dating summary, it's about somewhere, and we'll probably make one after we've done it. Um, if I'm going to read the book, I'm probably going to write a summary of it. Um, so you can get the gist of it. Um, but I found it hard, you know, like there's some people that you na more naturally um, like the book of and some you don't so much. I think he's good. He's very good at what he does. Um, but I, just, I found it hard to take in. I found it quite interesting, though, and I think it can be applied not only to dating. It can be applied to relationships in general. Yeah, no, he's got wide for dating and he's got, I've got, I didn't have that, um, but I've got wide for relationship and, but I had them as audio books, so I kind of listened to them while I was walking and um, so, and I, I, I don't know, I take him much better from reading than from um, audio books. Yeah, no, I've got wide for love, um, your brain on love and relationship Rx. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll do the wide for dating. I think if you've got one, you've probably got eighty percent of the, the rest of it. Um, so if you're interested, you're going to read. Um, and then maybe if not, we'll give you a summary and, and we'll cover the main concepts. Okay. okay. Thanks. Right. We'll see you next week. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you. Have a good week. Have a good week. Bye. All right. Bye.